Saskatchewan's number one sports talk show is on. And now, starting an hour earlier, welcome inside the Radio Octagon. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Michael Ball. Thanks, Tina. Thanks. I knew you did. I knew you thought we were the best. I knew you hung on every word we say. Tell you what, that was the theme song for the Rough Riders when they won the 1989 Grey Cup back in the day. And it was also the theme song that the Oilers rocked out to in 1990 when they would go on to win the Stanley Cup. And as a matter of fact, it was this day in 1990 that the Oilers beat the Boston Bruins to uh, win their uh, final Stanley Cup that they've won so far, fifth in seven years. Billy Ranford, a little-known Billy Ranford, former Bruin goalie, comes in as the Oilers goalie, and they would uh, go on to win the Stanley Cup on this day in 1990. And it's also the day that it was announced that Tina Turner, the uh, great artist who sang that song, Simply the Best, passes away at the age of 83. Definitely a rock and roll Hall of Famer and an icon that transcends every genre of music. So you know a lot of country fans and fans of this show listening to the show know who Tina Turner is. I'm Michael Ball coming to you live from McDougal Auctioneers. I'm set up in their boardroom here uh, just northwest of Saskatoon, just past the... Uh, the rink, they say, is too far out of town. This is the hot time of year for uh, McDougal auctioneers. You, you you got great stuff to have auctioned off, like a boat or whatever, trailer, anything, you name it. Uh, their online auctions are uh, hot, so make sure you check them out at their website. And uh, they got a great location here in Saskatoon and one, uh, of course, their head office in Regina, in the Regina area. So that is our good friends at McDougal auctioneers who... Uh, Obviously, advertise with our radio station, do uh, some marketing with us with Harvard Media, our digital side of the company, and, of course, involved with the Rough Rider broadcast. And we're here in Saskatoon for Training Camp 2023, your only radio station that's got you covered here, the only sports show that's got you covered, I should say, as uh, we've got Luke Monitor will join us after 4.30 from his hotel room near the stadium. He's a double-dipping because he's also working as... Um, Big wig with the Red Cross, and we know they're busy with what's going on with the uh, wildfires. And actually, I've I've seen um, the implications of that uh, at my hotel, the downtown Delta Besboro, and across the street, there's a hotel as well. And uh, a lot of uh, the uh, supplanted people uh, from their uh, homes, unfortunately, an area that had to be moved uh, further south because of the wildfires up north, are staying in the uh, hotels, uh, my hotel and the one across the street, or not my hotel, but the one I'm staying at. So uh, I've talked to a few of those people and uh, obviously eager to get back to their homes and hopefully they have something to go back to. Uh, It puts sports in perspective. All right, I am Michael Ball, like I said, in Saskatoon, joined by my producer and co-host Sean Kleisinger. We call him Zinger for short in our uh, locker room lingo. How are you today, Sean? How you doing, man? I'm I'm right. I'm right. Good. John Hodge is a regular contributor here on the Sports Cage. Um, 
he uh, had mentioned because he heard me ask Coach Craig Dickinson uh, yesterday about maybe the prospects of having Darnell Sankey come back because the XFL season's over. Of course, he won the championship. Well, who, who did he play for again? Arlington? Arlington Renegades, yep. Yeah, anyway, so, um, and I would say, what would you say? Sankey probably made, what, 60, 65,000? Uh, American, probably. yeah, that's that's safe to say. Yeah, about that, yeah. Yeah, I think you, I think you made, I think you made five thousand for every regular season game that you played in, and I think he played in all of them. So if he did play in all of them, he played in ten, and then he got a couple of, couple of uh, extra paychecks for the playoffs and a bonus probably for winning. So probably around sixty-five thousand dollars. Certainly a lot less than the one sixty he was hoping to get here in the CFL. Anyway. Um, as John Hodge reports, he is not available or eligible to get out of his contract to come to the USFL or the uh, CFL or if there was another startup league. He can get out of his XFL contract to go to the NFL. So well, no chance for Darnell Sankey to return to the CFL until 2024. Well, so. uh, you put that to rest, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So. Put that to rest. No no double dip in there for Darnell Sankey, which is uh, I think kind he, won of the, he won the championship in the XFL. I think Arlington yeah, won the championship. Yeah, they won. Yeah, they won. Yeah, they yeah. were four I mean, and six. Really they, they were four and yeah, six really in the cares? regular season. <laughs> Good yeah. league, huh? Four yeah. and six, and they won the champ. Well, let's not let's not get too carried away there, Zinger, because we've seen like nearly an Ottawa rough ride. Yeah, against team that was, Edmonton. Like, five and yeah. yeah, they almost won the eighty-one championship. Uh, what? But they didn't. Eight and ten, Calgary beat 14-4 and four Winnipeg in 2001. 8-10 BC Lions beat a Montreal team that was well above 500 in 2000 when Steve Barato took over from Greg Wonderful Mons midseason. Remember that? Mm. But we're talking, Calgary, four, we're talking four wins in a yeah, but 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 it's but it's Ugh. happened. It's happened. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. You can't just jump all over them. Yeah, but it's anyway, the XFL. Uh, it's the XFL. I can jump on them if I want. I don't like the XFL. You can. Hey, uh, the new episode of HBO's Real Sports with Brian Gumble debuted last night. Explored the grass versus turf question because uh, NFL players want to play and practice football only on grass. The NFL is more determined not to make a universal change. Um, they interviewed a bunch of doctors and saying, you know, there are a lot more injuries on turf. Now, um, let's be honest, Singer, it goes back to fundamental economics. Grass fields cannot host as many events. And since many municipalities and communities, uh, especially in the states, have to uh, pay a large part of the bill, these venues need to be used for more than football to justify it. So uh, sports is, I mean, it's, it's a business, right? Nice. And let's be, let's be honest, <laughs> if you don't like your working conditions, you can change and go somewhere else, mm. right? So, yeah. I mean, I'm all for the player, but I can't see all these owners, even though they're billionaires, ripping up, uh, you know, the turf and putting in grass and, and maintaining that. I can't see uh, for sure it happening in the CFL. Like I said, the last two I remember, Edmonton, and uh, Winnipeg were the last two grass fields, if I'm not mistaken. And doesn't Toronto have a bit of grass on there, or is yeah, it all grass? There? It's a, I, I'm, I think it's like 99% grass with like a with yeah, like a okay. 1% synthetic threading. So, so they've got so they've got grass right because of soccer. So Toronto does have a grass field. Um, so it'd be interesting to to p- pick the brains of players and and see if it makes that much of a difference. But I can't see CFL teams going to that. Like, can you imagine ripping up the the carpet at Mosaic and getting uh, grass in there? You would have to get a brand new grass field every single season because you can't, unless you like dome it in the wintertime, there's no way that you can 
upkeep that in the winter, right? So even no. at, even there's like a lot of NFL teams. Like I'm thinking of Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. They share that stadium with uh, their soccer team, the MLS team, and sometimes the soccer team plays on uh, a Saturday, and then the Falcons will play on a Sunday. And that would just be way too much work to you know have a grass field for both of those teams. It's just uh, even NFL teams would struggle to compensate for a grass field. Well, I do. I, I do know though that. That, uh, of course, we've both played the sport, so uh, we do know the grass is better on your body. Your yeah. your your feet don't tend to stick. Your cleats don't stick in the grass. But uh, I just think it's unrealistic. NHL tonight, Florida is hosting uh, Carolina, up three games to none. Of course, Vegas went up three nothing on Dallas yesterday. And uh, Zinger, we're not going to get our wish. We we're joking. We wanted because Chandler stood us up, Chandler Stevens, and we said, "Hey, hopefully they get swept." But it's going to be the other way around. Looks like Dallas is going to get swept out. The Blue Jays became the first team to score twenty runs in a game <laughs> in the major leagues this year, twenty to one over uh, uh, Tampa. Could they maybe spread those runs out over a few games? Yeah, I'm where I think they had twenty seven hits last night. Twenty seven hits. Like, come on now. We're <laughs> I'm where like watch the put up a zero tonight now. That's what's going to happen. You know that, right? They're not going to score yeah, one no. run tonight. Yeah, yeah, probably. Okay, we're going to take a break, and speaking of that, we're going to head out on the Western Pizza Hotline and talk to the radio voice of the Toronto Blue Jays. That would be the great Ben Wagner. He's become a regular contributor of ours because everybody wants to be a part of this show, and so do you at 936-6262. It's the number to text. It's powered by the Capital Auto Group. Why don't you weigh in? This is the Sports Cage and the Voice of Saskatchewan, 620 CKRM. We're talking baseball with the latest on the Jays and the MLB. It's Around the Horn with Ben Wagner on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Still one of the great theme songs of all time. I love that one, man. Uh, let's head out in the Western Pizza Hotline and get to him on a busy uh, work day for him. It's Ben Wagner, radio voice of the Toronto Blue Jays. Did you uh, tire out the windpipe there yesterday? The vocal cords, uh, 20 runs in one game, outstanding. But I'm, I'm watching it going like, could they spread these runs out over a few days? Yeah, all the frustration from the past week rolled into one celebratory win, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no, no you, never, you never get tired of out, offensive outbursts like that. Absolutely not. And you know, it got really ugly in the last two innings. Tampa Bay basically punted in that game, bringing in a position pay, player to pitch in the eighth inning, which is a very, very rare thing. Um, and I knew, I knew in the final six outs, certainly things were going to get wild. And a night at the Trop is always a little chaotic, and last night didn't let us down. Yeah, that's that's a weird feel, a feel for the Jays, isn't it? They, they don't generally do well there. It doesn't matter if they're doing well in the standings or not doing well in the standings. That's always a tough place to play, isn't it? For everybody that goes there. And there's no coincidence that the Rays have had such great success at home. They're now 22-5. and five in their own ballpark this season, which is just ridiculous when you look at the splits uh, with the success that they're having there. But it's really, really difficult for players to navigate within that building, deal with that building. Honestly, it's a mental roadblock for everybody that goes there, literally everybody, including myself. You know, I mean, it's just not a – the sideline is great, but it's not a great place to do a broadcast, period. It's a hard building to work in. Um yeah, you know, there was a really light crowd the last couple of nights. I thought maybe the success of this team outside 
know, that series against the New York Yankees, perhaps it was going to build a little juice in the building, but that just hasn't happened and rarely does over there. But the Tampa Bay Rays are a really, really good team, and it was really nice for the Blue Jays in a difficult week with the Yankees and so much stuff happening on the periphery, then getting swept by the Orioles, who are a really good team, and then knowing how much of a juggernaut at the drop the Rays are. That was a nice win for the Blue Jays to even up the series last night. You know, it's interesting. You bring up some good points. Like, is it is it because uh, it's an apathetic fan base? Is it because it's uh, – I've never been there, so you can correct me, but it just when I watch it on TV, it just seems like a blah place to watch a game. So it must be a blah yeah. place to play a game, play a game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, you know, like the facilities are way behind. Uh, the dugout is not conducive to what most of the, the newer venues certainly – let alone what Rogers Center has provided. And Rogers Center has gone through a couple of uh, refurbishments in their in their clubhouse, the tunnel, and then then the club or the dugout specifically. They're not doing that at the Trop. The turf is completely unforgiving. It's a terrible playing surface to begin with, and and the lighting is bad. The sound is really weird, and it looks like you're playing in a circus tent. <laughs> This is Ben Wagner, radio radio voice of the Toronto Blue Jays. Are should we be surprised the Rays are this good? Like we every year, it's like they find a way to 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 be at the top or be in the mix. No, you shouldn't. You know what? They always find a way to do something to change their lineup to find a a, a little bit of a gem unearthed from their minor league system or on the waiver wire. And the thing that they have thrived at recently is their pitching depth in the rotation outstanding and dynamic looks out of their bullpen it's really now what other teams are trying to carbon copy with what they're doing and and let's be very honest they're trying to do it and manipulate their payroll they're not paying hardly anybody zach eflin who's going to throw tomorrow has got the largest contract shelled out in tampa bay race history since uh, i mean years years since they had and it's only a three-year 40 million dollar deal and it's the largest free agent deal, I think, in, in race history overall. And it, you know, it surpassed a deal I think five or seven years ago um, that was done. You know, they shop off their players before they become really expensive, and are going to really jam up the system in terms of playing time or what the commitment is in the overall year commitment, whether it's a pitcher or a position player. So uh, they have been creative for a long time, and now it, it's led to consecutive appearances in the in the postseason, let alone success in the regular season. So I really thought that they were going to be a very good team. I didn't know that they were going to be this good, you know, this early. But I I thought the Tampa Bay Rays were going to be a thorn in the side. Ben Wagner, should we be worried about Alec Manoa and what we're seeing from him? That is the number one question around the Toronto Blue Jays, period. It, it has nothing to do with the losing streak that's finally over, obviously. Um, the ineffectiveness to this point of George Springer, although he's had a really nice like pocket of time here over the last five or six days. Alejandro Kirk certainly hasn't hit. Vladdy you know, hasn't been able to really drive the ball, especially at home. All his successes on the road. The, that, that means a lot of things for the offense, but the number one question mark now is Alec Manoa because it was not a question mark, right? The last two years, Alec mm-hmm. Manoa and his success, his dominance, his his stuff always played. Even with days that he was off, he would figure out a way to harness the slider, command the fastball when one of the other pitches eluded him. Now it's a big run of ineffectiveness. And, and tomorrow, I gave myself, what, a three-week window, and I think this is the third week. So tomorrow, tomorrow for me is going to be the time 
that you look at, all right, uh, what mechanically are you doing? How are you physically? Are you, you're past the dead arm phase, right? The end of May is usually where all, all the pitchers are going to tell you, all right, we built up to a certain innings amount. My pitch count is up. My body should feel more like game speed. You get past that dead arm phase, which happens twice. Happens in spring training. We all make a lot of uh, bugaboo about that. Usually mm-hmm. it just kind of slips by under the radar when it happens in the regular season, but it certainly does. Um, if, if Alec Manoa does not have some consistent success out of tomorrow, I think I'm, I'm really going to start to be concerned. Has the pitch clock affected him? You know, I've I've floated that, and the answer is no. Um, you know, I asked people that are familiar with his conditioning and how his body overall feels, um, and he's traditionally a slower wa- worker. Period. Uh, he has manipulated the clock to his advantage a couple of times. I think he took a page out of the Chris Bassett book as well. Hey, you get dinged for a ball, and it's not a swing count. Does it put you into uh, an account where? an opponent is really going to hunt and has potential to do damage. Uh, I cannot, everybody kind of scoffs at that, honestly. Like, I can't put my finger on one specific thing, let alone the the pitch clock. I I just don't think that the pitch clock is that big a thing either uh, for Alec. Yeah, um, this is Ben Wagner, a radio voice, great radio voice of the Toronto Blue Jays. Do you think that pitch clock has affected pitchers in terms of injuries? Are we noticing anything like an uptick in injuries, uh, and that might have something to do with it? Well, there's certainly an uptick in injuries. That's across the game. And I I know that the, the hot topic has been around the pitch clock. And the Blue Jays, fortunately, have actually had the fewest amount of games on the injured list collectively as a franchise than any other team in Major League Baseball. Uh, the New York Yankees are obviously leading the charge in that. There are a couple other teams up there where, I mean, hundreds of games have already been combined lost. The Blue Jays have been really, really fortunate dodging an injury bug. So we haven't had that really deep-thinking talking point from John Schneider or Ross Atkins when we're sitting down with him, and that's just because of circumstance, right? Uh, from what I read, though, it certainly is – a talking point with some of these other franchises, and the high end. And it's about the recovery time. It doesn't necessarily say, oh, this guy just you know was rushed or this, that, or the other. It's how the body manages the time in between pitches. But more and more, I'm seeing a little bit longer in game time, and more and more pitchers not trying to quick pitch their, their, their innings. And, and, and I mean by quick pitch, like you're set real quick, and you're forcing your body to do something quicker than what it usually does. And that's where I think that people aren't giving the pitchers, you know, a little bit of like, well, you're changing what you're doing on the mound. It doesn't necessarily mean the timer is forcing you to do that. It's the fact that you're trying to quick pitch, and then all of a sudden your body's tweaked and torqued, and, and it's a different delivery than what, what's out there. Um, I, I know Major League Baseball certainly is a huge fan of what the timer has provided, its pace of play and the rhythm within the game. Mm-hmm. So it's certainly not going anywhere. And uh, I would assume, lastly, uh, you know, you don't read into too much into one game. I was, I was wondering, it's a long season. We talked about it being a grind, up and down, 162 games. Don't get uh, too high, don't get too low. But uh, a 20-1 to win against a team that's leading your division, that's a, that's a good shot of confidence for a team at a, at a right time here, ending a five-game slide. Yesterday was therapeutic for a lot of Blue Jays. You know, it was therapeutic for George Springer, who's had so much tough luck, and, you know, he drives in a ton of runs as a big day at the plate. Um, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., embarrassed by striking out against the position player early in the ballgame. 
What's he do? He capitalizes the next go around and cranks a grand slam, screams it into the seats. And, and you can find the ripple effects up and down that entire lineup. Everybody that played yesterday, everybody, including the replacement players, the, the, the substitutes, everybody in the card had a base hit, at least. And the runs were plentiful all over. So that kind of production, that kind of frustration that the Blue Jays have been dealing with, like I said, over the last specifically 10 days, uh, even though the streak was snapped at five, and it wasn't certainly uh, a paralyzing losing skid for the Blue Jays. But yesterday certainly was cathartic in a number of ways. Ben, thanks for your time. Have a good call tonight. I appreciate you taking time on a game day. Thank you. Always my pleasure. Always great to talk with you guys and look forward to next week. Yeah, for sure. That's Ben Wagner around the horn, his weekly stop. He's got the call tonight. Blue Jays and the Tampa Bay Arrays from that circus tent, as he calls it. That's great. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 334 with the sports ticker, and the Florida Panthers can punch their ticket to the Stanley Cup final tonight with a win at home against the Carolina Hurricanes. It's a 6 p.m. puck drop. We shall see if they can do it. The Toronto Blue Jays in action once again today in Tampa after a big outing yesterday. 20 runs were put on the board by the Bluebirds yesterday. You say Kikuchi gets the start on the hill tonight for Toronto. We're sitting courtside to bring you the latest on professional basketball in Saskatchewan. This is your Rattlers Report. The Saskatchewan Rattlers have added some more size to its roster for the 2023 season. Recently inked by the Rattlers is Edmonton, Alberta native Adong McCoy, the six foot nine big man, spent three seasons in the NCAA D1 program playing with the Northern Illinois Huskies and the Tennessee State Tigers. So McCoy makes his professional debut in the CEBL this summer. In McCoy's final NCAA season, he started all 32 games, averaging 9 points, 5.5 rebounds, and over 22 minutes per game while shooting 62% from the field. So McCoy led his team in total rebounds as well, 175 of them. And prior to his college days, McCoy played for Archbishop O'Leary High School in Edmonton, and he had some appearances in Saskatoon back then at the longest-reigning Invitational Tournament, BRIT, in 2015 and 2016, where McCoy was named dunk champion. So Rattler fans can get excited about this signing. Adam McCoy, and he will be at the Sastel Center one week from tonight as the season begins as the Saskatchewan Rattlers host the Vancouver Bandits. The Rattlers.ca for tickets. Nobody covers your team like our team. This is the Sports Cage on the mighty 620 CKRM. Queen of Rock, Tina Turner. Passing away today, at least it was announced today, she passed away at the age of 83. Definitely a rock and roll Hall of Famer, like I said at the start of the show. She transcends music genres, so, you know, country music fans like on CKRM would know who Tina Turner is, and of course, uh, football fans would. And what does love got to do with it? We're loving our Rough Rider football here, training camp 20. 
323-936-6262, the number to text. It's brought to you by our friends at the Capital Auto Group. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline. Get it hot, get it fast at Western Pizza. And we're coming to you live from McDougal Auctioneers Limited, the boardroom here in Saskatoon, just northwest of, uh, just right by the rink that nobody likes to drive out of town to. Uh, I like it. I like Saskatoon. A lot of, you know, it's always Saskatoon, Regina, and, 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 uh, it's the Saskatonians who like to have the rivalry. Regina doesn't really, we're not really, I don't, I don't hate Saskatoon. I don't know if Saskatonians hate us. They just like to rib us a little bit. But, uh, yeah, it's nice to be up here, but I can't wait to get home and I can't wait to watch the Rough Riders on Saturday against the British Columbia Lions. And I want to point out that the game is going to be broadcast across the 620 CKRM Rough Rider radio network as it is all season and we're happy you're a part of it. But, but, it's also going to be streamed on CFL.ca. So if you don't want to go down to the game, um, we encourage you to go to the game, no doubt. But if somehow you're busy or... Uh, it's too wet because it's supposed to rain in the Regina area, which we're all thankful for, although we wish it wouldn't be on a game day. You can stream it at cfl.ca. Just put in a valid email address. You uh, give your first and last name, and it's free. It's free, and they they mesh the video with the audio from the home team's broadcast, so you will hear Luke and I call the game, whether you, you want to or not, I guess. You can always mute it, I guess. But, um, yeah, very happy to be back as the voice of the Rough Riders for my second year. Here behind the mic, 21st year covering Rough Rider football. And we see lots of great stories come to training camp. This guy could be one. He had some meaningful time in the NFL with among teams, the Carolina Panthers. He's a running back by the name of Rodney Smith, and he's a guy hoping to catch on behind the likes of Jamal Morrow and Frankie Hicks. And we'll see him on Saturday. Our own Blaine Weiland caught up with him. All right, I'm joined with number 35 for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Rodney Smith. And Rodney, uh, I guess we're now over a week into training camp. How are things going for yourself here in Saskatoon? It's going well. Um, I'm learning the, the land of the lay, uh, learning my teammates, learning the playbook. Uh, it's going pretty well. Can you talk about the process, uh, about you being recruited to the Rough Riders during the offseason? Yeah, so I spoke with Mr. O'Day, uh, I want to say two years ago. Uh, and I didn't play anywhere last year, and he called me to come be on the practice squad last year, but I didn't have a passport, uh, so had to work on getting that done. Uh, and I ended up signing in March, so Mr. O'Day got me up here. You know, as a running back, uh, it seems like there's competition no matter where you go. Has that been the kind of the story throughout your football career that every camp, every team you've been to, it's always a battle? Definitely. Uh, it's always a competition, but that's how you get your diamonds. You know, pressure creates diamonds. Uh, and we're competing with each other. We're all on the same team. And like I said, when you're competing with each other, it ultimately makes the team better and you as an individual better as well. Speaking to a lot of guys at camp, I've come to discover there's a lot of multi-sport athletes and yourself. You have a baseball background along with your football background. Was uh, baseball your first love? Football your first love? Baseball was definitely my first love, and if I hadn't tore my ACL in high school, I probably, well, I ain't going to say probably, but I would definitely have started off playing baseball. I've been playing baseball, so uh, it got cut short, but yeah, I'm, I'm a baseball player for sure. What position did you play? I played middle infield and outfield. And why why was it that, that you love baseball maybe at, maybe at the time more than football? My dad's a baseball coach. He coached me at everything, but... I was groomed to be a baseball player, believe it or not. Was there any kind of resistance when you started football? With my dad or with me? 
How was your dad? No, it was no resistance. Cause like I said, he was he was a football coach too. Uh, but he did tell me to cut down one. I played three sports actually. I played basketball too. And when I started to get to high school, he was like, if you want to be the best of the crop, then you, you probably need to cut one out. So I cut out basketball and stuck to baseball and football. Now, high school seems like a good time, you know, maybe focus on one sport, but it seems now as we get in today's generation, a lot of people are cutting that out at a younger age. Are you on the mindset, you know, that kids should be playing as many sports as they can until they reach that age about high school? I think so. I think you should play as many sports as you can. Um, for one, just the camaraderie of team. You learn how to work with different people. Uh, you never know who you'll meet on your team. So. Uh, I think I think kids should play as many sports as they can, and once they once they start getting recruited for for what they for like colleges and stuff, then you probably should start focusing in on that. But definitely play as many sports as you can as long as possible. Now you ended up playing college football at Minnesota. Now for Atlanta guy, I know you had some uh, some offers closer to home, but what why did you say they go up to Minnesota to be a Golden Gopher? Life after football, it was it was my best offer. Um, you know, the Big Ten is a prestigious conference uh so i couldn't pass that up uh and i like i said i know i was hurt so getting that big offer was, was big for me and my family and i saw it as an opportunity for me to grow as a person you know it's not as close to home so i can't call mom and dad when i'm feeling down or sad i gotta figure it out on my own so i took it upon myself to go out to minnesota and create a life of my own in a sense now, you had a big final season after coming back from, I believe, a torn ACL. Uh, just talk about that final season you had in Minnesota. It was so much fun. Uh, my coaches and my teammates helped me out the whole way, the whole time. Uh, but it was fun. Uh, it was a it was a lot because I got hurt in my red shirt senior year. Uh, so it, it took a lot out of my mental. Um, mentally, it was hard for me. Uh, emotionally, it was hard for me because I was a senior. But like I said, my coaches and teammates made it worthwhile and fun, and we had a great season that year uh, coming back. So it was definitely worth it, and, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. Now, after the words, you uh, signed as an undrafted free agent with the Carolina Panthers at the time. They had maybe the best running back in football, Christian McCaffrey. Is that someone that you kind of watched and uh, picked up something from uh, during your time with the Panthers? I definitely was in Christian's bag. I learned a lot from Christian. Uh, great dude, great guy. Um, I learned a lot from on the field and off of the field. Uh, like I said, he's a great person, um, and that's my that's my dude. So yeah, I definitely uh, was following Christian around and learned a lot from him. I guess when did you become aware of the CFL? Did you always know that the CFL had a presence, or was it you know kind of before, as you mentioned, when you got recruited by Jeremy O'Day about the CFL? I knew about it. I always knew about it, but I never really watched it until, like I said, I got recruited. And I said, I know a couple guys that play in the CFL, so. I know that the competition up here is still at a high level. Um, so that's why when he called me, I was definitely interested. And that's what I'm saying, he got me up here. So I definitely was interested. And like I said, I'm excited to be up here and competing with these guys. Is there any big adjustments as a running back uh, to make that transition from the American game to the Canadian game? It's little instances that are, that are different. The game is different, definitely. The field's bigger, uh, it's 12 players on the field. Um, and me personally, like I said I haven't played football in a year, so just, you know, getting back in the groove of playing football, period, is is a transition for me. It's different for me. But I'm getting back into the groove of things. I'm starting to feel a little better. Body's adapting. Uh, getting back used to being, getting hit. Uh, first day of rookie camp, I got hit. You know, it felt good to get hit again. So uh, it's definitely something that 
you know what I'm saying, I'm, I'm gradually working into. Uh, and like I said, the coaches are tremendous here. They're working with us. And I'm looking forward to seeing how we do in the preseason game. And speaking of that preseason game, how much are you looking forward to, you know, lining up against a different opponent than the BC Lions? That'll be so much fun. Like I said, I haven't played football since 2021. So it'll be fun to get out there and compete. Uh, like I said, the coaches, I, I appreciate them, Mr. O'Day, the whole Saskatchewan Rough Rider community for, you know, accepting me and bringing me up. And I can't wait to get out and represent uh, Saskatchewan against BC. And maybe give an idea for Rider fans, what kind of running back can they expect from Rodney Smith? A fun one. Uh, I play hard. I try to play as hard as I can. Um, break tackles. Smart dude. Uh, like I said, I'm, I'm going to be fun. I'm going to try to have fun with it and, like I said, represent the community as best as I can. And I just want to get your thoughts about uh, the incumbents for the Rough Riders at running back, uh, Jamal Morrow and Frankie Hickson. Yeah, those are two great leaders on the team. Uh, I had a chance to play against Jamal in college, uh, so I definitely know about him. And Frankie, he's out here. You know, he, he came out here and he earned a spot last year. You know what I'm saying I'm proud of proud of those guys and both of them are extreme talents and you can see how they work uh, it translates onto the field and like I said Saskatchewan I was able to see that last year you got two great backs here all right well we'll see if uh, we got another one in store this weekend in Regina BC against the BC Lions Rodney Smith thanks a lot yes sir appreciate you Yes, Rodney Smith, nice interview with our uh, Blaine Wyland and a uh, guy that uh, played in the NFL, played with um, Christian McCafferty before he went to the 49ers in Carolina, and a guy who hasn't played since 2021 looking for a second chance, and the CFL provides that for American players that had no idea what the CFL was until they come up here and they get their eyes open to how good the talent is here. Can't wait to see what Rodney Smith can do. The Riders hoping to keep one, if not two, tailbacks in behind the likes of Hickson and uh, Jamal Morrill. When we come back, we'll go to Kamloops, the site of the 2023 Memorial Cup. The Kamloops Blazers, I think, appearing in their ninth Memorial Cup, if I'm not mistaken. This is the Sports Cage from McDougal Auctioneers Limited in Saskatoon on 620 CKRM. It's time to step into the radio octagon. You're tuned to the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio, 620 CKRM. Oh, yeah, Tina Turner, man. Uh, movie soundtrack. Uh, Thunderdome. Wasn't that Mel Gibson's movie, I think? Anyway, Tina Turner, Queen of Rock, passing away today at the age of uh, 83. And who's going to be the hero in Kamloops as the uh, beautiful city of Kamloops hosting its first Memorial Cup, I believe, since 1995. We're joined by their radio voice, John Keane. Hi, John. How are you? Hey, Balsy, doing well. And, uh, you know, growing up in Saskatchewan and Tina Turner, simply the best. That was sort of the rider theme there, the one year in '89, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that brings back yep. some memories here. So. It was also, oddly enough, the 1990 Edmonton Oilers theme song, too, the next year. And it was on this day, the day she passes away, in May 24th, 1990, the Oilers beat the Bruins to win the Stanley Cup. So if you want to really uh, put it in the Wayback Time Machine, there you go. Uh, now, the there last time nice. the Blazers host. Yeah, the last time the Blazers hosted, they had Shane Doan, Iggy, 
Darcy Tucker and went on to win the Memorial Cup. They're hosting again. I don't know if they have that level of talent, but uh, what are their chances to win this thing? That was a pretty special group, uh, and you look at it, they, they dominated that tournament. Uh, so to wrap up what's been actually 12 straight wins uh, for the Blazers going back to 92 mm. in this event, uh, what are their chances? Uh, I would say that they're more than just the quote-unquote host team. Uh, they've been a team that mm-hmm. you know has, has held their own throughout the entire season. They're a team that has been nationally ranked all season long, and they have some star power players that you know are, are nationally known players and Logan Stankov and Elwin Bellwegger, so uh, they might not be the favorite, but uh, I don't think anybody would be surprised if next Sunday they're John, how do they how do they match up with uh, what some people said was like an AHL team, the Seattle Thunderbirds? Uh, Seattle handled Winnipeg uh, fairly easily. Uh, how, how did the Blazers match up with the T-Birds this year? Well, they should know each other pretty well. Since March, they've played each other nine times. And uh, the Blazers are four and five in those games. So uh, right there. And if you you break it down to Sandman Center games, they played four times since March, and the Blazers are two and two. So you could say uh, it's a virtual toss-up, but uh, obviously uh, Seattle uh, is, is such a, a loaded team uh, and has proven that they are uh, the best in the Western League. And, and now it's this short-term tournament where you know one game could be an elimination game, and and all bets are off really when it comes down to that. Yeah, this is a great tournament, man. I've, I've loved it when it's come to Regina. And, uh, you know, uh, actually, what was it? I was like a few months into my first, uh, few months into my, uh, well, five years in, I guess. Sorry. Yeah. Five years into my first, uh, little stint here at CKRM. And I got the call, uh, quite a bit of it when Rod Peterson's voice kind of gave out on him, which was kind of a thrill. Uh, we got Quebec and Peterborough, the other two teams. What do we know about those clubs? Well, that's the thing. So it's it's really interesting. You know, uh, Patrick was about to land his team uh, here in Kamloops here in a couple of hours. Uh, there's a, a coaches' conference coming up later on this evening. Uh, but all we know is that Quebec was uh, a top team all year. Uh, they are, quote-unquote, probably the, the co-favorites with Seattle, if you want to put it at that. 53 wins in the regular season. They went through a stretch of 23 straight wins to close out the regular season and playoffs before Halifax finally knocked them off in a game. Uh, in the league final. Um, so they come with great pedigree uh, and a, a team that always seems to be at the top when Patrick Waugh has been there. Uh, so they'll come in uh, as the top team. Peterborough finally, finally sort of lived up to expectations. They were a team picked earlier in the year to uh, to be a top team, but they, they never could really get it going. In fact, they never found the CHL top 10 rankings at all this year, if you can believe that. But they finally got it together in the playoffs. They made some uh, three major moves uh, at the trade deadline. Um, you know, guys like Owen Beck, and, and, and they have some, some talent. There's a Stillman kid who's a, a first-round NHL pick, uh, and, and they finally got it together in time for the playoffs, and, and lo and behold, they're the, they're the OHL reps. They'll be an interesting team to see. And lastly, John Keena, how's the community embracing this uh, big tournament? Well, you know, we are the Tournament Capital Center of Canada. That's our moniker. Yes. So this is uh, old hat to a lot of folks. Uh, the weather's going to be great. 
Um, you know, uh, everyone's uh, anticipating this. It's a lot has changed. Everyone tells me a lot has changed since 1995 when, when the community last hosted it. But uh, tickets are hard to come by already. Maybe a few standing room or single tickets for some of the non-Blazer games. Uh, it's, it's just going to be a great tournament. I mean, it's going to be classic junior hockey here in, in the end of May and June. And uh, and the host committee's put in a lot of work to this. So I know that uh, they're excited to show Kamloops. And as the, uh, as the saying goes this year with the Memorial Cup together, or uh, shine together is the word. So uh, that's what they hope to do. Hey, I'm in radio. I can watch it on TV, but if I want to listen to it online, where can I find the games on radio? Yeah, we got every game on Radio NL. We'll, we'll go extended pre- and post-games. Uh, Radio NL, you can find us at RadioNL.com. There's a little Listen Live link uh, and have at it. we got our broadcast teams together. Uh, I won't be doing every game, but uh, we got some capable folks here around, and uh, we're going to hopefully uh, present the best broadcast that we can as well. Oh, I know you will. Thanks for your time, man. Good Saskatchewan guy, John Keene. We'll take care, and uh, best of luck to the Blazers. Good chat with you. Thanks. All right, that's John Keene joining us in the Western Pizza Hotline. Plenty of more from Ryder Training Camp after 4. Luke Mulliner joins us by phone after 4.30 as we continue to break down things here in Toontown ahead of the preseason game Saturday against the Lions. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. 620 CKRM is proud to be the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and your home for the hottest sports talk anywhere. This is the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. She certainly was the best. We say that in a past tense because Tina Turner, the queen of rock, passing away today at the age of 83. That was the Riders theme song when they went on that 1989 Grey Cup run. Glenn Suter, Jeff Fairholm, Ken Austin, Ray Elgard, and the boys. And um, the Oilers used it in their 1990 Stanley Cup run, culminating with the uh, win on this day back in 1990. So kind of ironic in a sad way, I guess, that she passes away on that day. And uh, she's right. Thanks, Tina. You are right. We are simply the best. The sports cage, the only Saskatchewan sports radio talk show covering the Rough Riders in Saskatoon from pillar to post. We got you covered. And um, we're coming to you live from McDougal Auctioneer's boardroom here in Saskatoon. They've uh, been on board with us in so many ways, advertising at the radio station and on our rider broadcasts. Uh, of course, they sponsor the weekly Craig Dickinson show. And we'll hear from Coach Dickey um, after practice today. We got some. Uh, some uh, audio from him another good little chat with him you can check out everything they have to offer here at mcdougall auctions at uh triple w mcdougall do you even say do you even have to say triple w anymore i feel really old when i say that you can also call 1-800-263-4193 okay just ahead of hearing from saskatoon our U of S Husky uh, Evan Johnson. Just ahead of that, we do have to do this. Let's uh, let's do Sastel pick the score. Now, what you do is you call nine three six sixty two sixty two or toll free one eight six six seven six seven zero six twenty. And if Sean picks you, you will have an opportunity to pick the score. You give your name, you pick the score. 
And if you're closest to picking the score, well, first of all, you automatically get tickets to the game. So you'll be going to the BC Lions, Saskatchewan Rough Rider preseason game. And you'll uh, be in the running for a weekly $200 gift card from Sastel. If you're closest to the score, um, as picked by our uh, people that pick these things, I um, we will award you the $200 gift card. Then I just found out, I just found out because I did some digging that we will have four tickets for a game in a suite next year. So you'll get a suite experience for a Rough Rider game next year for the grand prize in our Sastel Pick the Score. So bang the digits, 936-6262 in town, toll free out of town, one 767 Now this guest here had kind of an up and down year. At times he was great, just like at times the other O-linemen were great. In fact, we picked this guy as a game star, an offensive game star one game, because of uh, he was uh, instrumental in some of the pulling and trap plays in that game. I forget who it was against, but he was our game star. He's a soft-spoken uh, guy who came over from the Ottawa Red Blacks, drafted out of the U of S, and uh, is now with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Reworked his deal to be more team-friendly, and he's been in a battle at training camp with Logan Furland for starting reps at that right uh, guard spot. It looks like uh, Philip Blake is going to be the left guard right now. And then uh, it'll be between probably Furland and Johnson to see who starts, Logan Furland. And then Johnson will be uh, in the mix, you'd have to think, along with the likes of Logan Bandy. Uh, Zach Fry's kind of had an up-and-down training camp, and I'm not going to even begin to critique Diego Alatoro Montoya uh, and Evan Floor and a couple of other Canadians in the mix. But we know after last year we need to be improved on the O-line, and we also need to have depth. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Hard to gauge what they've been you know, with the O and D line, what they've been doing, because there hasn't been a lot of physicality at this camp. We ha- did see a little bit today, a little more one-on-ones on the O line. At the end, they did like a little passing drill from the five-yard line in, and they had a pass rush on, so that was good. Um, but I'm really looking forward to Saturday's game against the BC Lions. Anyway, without any further ado, let's hear from our uh, sports reporter, Blaine Wyland and rider offensive lineman, U of S grad, Evan Johnson. All right, I'm joined with Evan Johnson from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And Evan, just want to get your thoughts about how camp has been going so far here as we're entering, I guess, the end stage of the second week. Yeah, camp's been really good. We've had some good weather, good turnouts in the stands there too. A uh, little bit of little bit of smoke a couple of these days here too, but that's kind of cleared off here now. Camp's been going really good. We've got a really strong D-line, really strong O-line. So the D-line's challenging us, and the O-line, I mean, we're a bunch of different guys that haven't played together before, so we're trying to build that chemistry, build that mesh going into the year. Was that smoke at all, you think, of, was a, a factor in terms of maybe conditioning? Did that halt you guys a little bit a couple days? I, I mean, you, you notice when it's smoky outside. You, you feel it in the eyes and you feel it in the lungs, so it's, it definitely plays a factor, but, you know, when, when the days were good enough that we could get the work in, uh, we, we were out here and we were giving her, so it... Uh, maybe a little bit of altitude training, so to speak, where you're uh, trying to find that extra oxygen in the, that is in the air. Obviously, not the season the offensive line won in 2022. How excited are you to finally turn the page and get looking forward towards 2023? Uh, that's all I've been thinking about all offseason. I, <laughs> I want to wipe the page uh, with last year. Haven't even thought about it recently. We're, we're all in on 2023 here. So we're looking forward to moving forward and uh, start getting into some live action here right away. What's it like being a veteran on a group with a lot of new faces? There's yourself. I know there's Logan Furlan, Logan Bandy coming back. But uh, what's it like being with a lot of new faces on that offensive line? 
yeah, it's it's a lot of new chemistry to build, a lot of new relationships to kind of uh, figure out on the way. Uh, being able to figure out how different people see fronts and IDs and terminology and all the verbiage that goes along with that. We also have a new offensive line coach too, so and a new offensive coordinator, new playbook, everything's you know kind of new and fresh. So we talked about turning the page, that helps with that too. And uh, you know, bringing that leadership, we've got a lot of uh, new guys coming in that are that have been around in the league for quite a while here too. We've got you know Philip Blake who's been around for a long time, bit of an older guy that's uh, seen a lot of seen a lot of football too. So. And Godber, he's played a lot of years too. So, I mean, I might be the uh, the oldest returning, but we've got a lot of veteran presence on the line regardless. You talked about communication and how big that is for the offensive line. Uh, how tough is that? Is it really difficult, you know, to establish that communication throughout training camp, or is that something that it just takes time? I, I mean, it just takes time, honestly. Uh, day one, you're not going to have everything perfect. You're not going to see everything the same way either. So uh, training camp, I mean, I feel like we're at a really good place where we are right now. We're seeing a lot of different looks from our defense. We're seeing a lot of different fronts. We're able to identify and communicate them across the line. So the training camp's been really, really good as far as building those uh, relationships and uh, communication. So we're looking to continue to build off that. I uh, just want to get from your perspective, your thoughts about uh, another guard that was with the team last season, Logan Furlan, and how you think he's doing in camp so far. Furlan's doing awesome. You know, I, I had no doubts about that uh, leaving last year. He obviously well-deserved, won the lineman of the year for the Rough Riders there last year. And uh, I was training with him during the offseason too. He's strong, he's committed, he's dedicated, and he does all the right things. I believe you played mostly, I'm not sure, quite exclusive right guard last year. But uh, is it a situation, do you mind, it? do you have a preference in terms of side, whether it being right guard or left guard? You, you know, I'm, I'm lucky that I've been able to play both sides. Uh, I've started a lot of games on both sides, so it doesn't bother me a whole lot uh, flipping sides. I mean, it's, it is once uh, you kind of get into a bit of a rhythm and a routine, always being on the right side, your hips and your body and your mind kind of get set to being on that right side. So just a little bit of like a, uh, I don't know, a ripple in the system sort of thing to switch sides like that. You just have to flip everything in your brain and uh, obviously the other hand and foot back. So uh, it's, it's different, but, uh, you know, I've had a lot of experience playing both sides, so I'm able to handle it. Now, it seems like a lot throughout camp, you, Furland, and Phillip Blake have been kind of line up in those guard spots. Uh, do you feel like it's a situation with the offensive line that, uh, kind of like the defensive line, you can get a lot of rotation in with those with you guys? And it's not a situation, maybe it's not like one guy plays throughout the whole entire game, but you guys kind of maybe split the shares in terms of those reps at guard. I, th throughout camp, we certainly have. We've been trying to figure out the, uh, the best way to arrange the puzzle, so to speak. So... Uh, I've been doing left guard, I've been doing right guard, the guys have been playing guard, tackle, we've been kind of shifting in and out and trying to figure out the best combination, like we said, with chemistry and communicating and just playing beside different guys too. So we've uh, been shifting the tackles left and right, guards left and right, we've been bumping guys in at center, out of center. So we've, we've really just been playing around with our uh, uh, positions and who we're beside and kind of building that communication from there, from that point as well. A Regina guy who played here at Griffith Stadium uh, with the Huskies. Uh, what's it like being back here at Griffith Stadium? I, I love being back here. You know, at the University of Saskatchewan, I spent a lot of time out here, obviously, playing with the Huskies, being on campus. And so, you know, walking to the meal hall and back and, you know, the memories kind of come flooding back. You know, there's a lot of good times that were spent here, a lot of games, a lot of football, a lot of memories. And so it's, it's, it's great to be back every year. You got to keep an eye on those Ram guys and make sure they uh, treat the Husky facilities with proper respect. Absolutely, yeah. We got to take care of this clubhouse and uh, make sure everyone is uh, doing their part. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Evan, and good luck. Awesome. Thanks so much.
Yeah, Regina's own Evan Johnson. I talk about a Saskatchewan football player. Regina's Evan Johnson, U of S trained, went to Ottawa, now with Saskatchewan, and uh, looking to uh, wipe away last year and uh, play more consistently in the offensive line. And if they do that, if he does that, Furland does that, Blake does that, Godber does that, and whoever the tackles are, look out, could be a great year for your Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Zinger, uh, pick the score for Sass. Mm. What do we got there? Yes, sir. Yeah, Evan Johnson at Campbell Tartan Ballsy. And pick yeah, the score. We sure. had uh, Reggie Leader of Regina, and Reggie is predicting a 20-18 to 18 Saskatchewan Rough Riders mm. victory on Saturday. So that's a nice preseason Ish type of score, huh? Twenty eighteen. Yeah, I, for, I can dig that. Yeah, for so if, uh, if if that listener is closest to the score, they get a two hundred dollar gift card in addition to the tickets they've already won, and then at the end of the year, they're in the draw for a chance to win a sweet experience for them and three others at a rider game next year. We'll be back with more, including our clutch performance and a chat with Gary Bratzel, president of the Regina Red Sox, because don't forget, their season fires up tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Time now for the Cage Clutch Performer on 620 CKRM. Tatum, 16-foot J is pure. Defending Tatum, they blitz him without a bio and scored inside with the reverse. Tatum, they'll put up a three. Got it! And the Boston Celtics survived to live another day. Big thanks to Jason Tatum's game-leading 33 points. He had 11 rebounds and 7 assists. So there will be a Game 5 tomorrow night back in Boston. Jason Tatum, your sports cage clutch performer for Nick Service in Emerald Park. Your local Massey Ferguson, Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent Dealer. Give them a call at 781-1077. Where Saskatchewan sports fans come to talk. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio Hype it up. Let's go. 2023 season upon us. Rough Riders and the BC Lions coming up on Saturday. It's a big game for a lot. A lot of guys trying to make this team. There's no such thing as a meaningless game in the preseason as they're trying to earn a paycheck, if not here, somewhere else in the Canadian Football League. Uh, our coverage begins at 2 o'clock on Saturday. The game is at 5. Now, if you're not coming to the game... We want you to, but if you're not, you can stream it live on cfl.ca up to a valid email address, and then your first and last name, and it's free. And then what they do is they take the video in-house, which is always well done at, at uh, Mosaic, you know, and they mesh it with the 620CKRM Rough Rider Radio Network audio. So you'll catch our radio broadcast Two moving pictures, as it were, and uh, that's what we call a stream now, so uh, you could do that, all right? All right, so we're trying to get a hold of Gary Bratzel, but apparently uh, he forgot that he's got to come on with me. Uh, Zinger, they've got their season starting up here on, um, well, tomorrow, right? Aren't they in Wayburn Yeah, tomorrow, tomorrow, 7 o'clock, Tom Lang Park, the home of the Wayburn Beavers. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun, right. man. 
it's it's finally here. And their home their home op- their home opener is on Saturday. Unfortunately, when the Ryder game is uh, that day, um, are you won't be there. That's one you got to miss, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, my first game of the year will be Sunday this uh, coming Sunday, and it's a matinee affair. I love these ones. A two p.m. opening pitch against the Moose Jaw Miller Express. So back to back home games this weekend. So if you you can go to the Ryder game on Saturday and then to the Red Sox game on Sunday, that's a nice sports weekend here in the Queen City, huh? Mm-hmm. I think so. Let's just hope. Let's just hope the weather holds up. It's supposed to rain, but uh, you can check the uh, check the weather forecast on the radio and uh, check your eyes. Uh, check, you know, do the eyeball test yourself mm-hmm. on the skies. Hey, got this text from our friend Reed Peterson. Hey, get back on air and stir up more controversy. Too many interviews. I want the main guy's opinion on things. Put that cigar and scotch down from Reed Peterson. I love Reed Peterson. Great guy. Uh, listen. Uh, I can't really form an opinion yet on the Rough Riders because, let's be honest, it hasn't been overly, uh, like, it's been an okay camp, but it's been more a teaching and a slow buildup to camp because of the uh, later preseason game. So we'll know more about this team, and I can really give you a good opinion on uh, May the 27th. Uh, I'm looking forward to the receivers. They've dropped too many balls, and I don't see a number one guy yet. i got to be honest. I don't see somebody emerging as the number one guy. we got a strong running back core. We won't see Hickson and Morrow, but we will see uh, Javian Hawkins. We're going to see uh, B.J. Emmons, former Seahawk guy, and uh, Rodney Smith, former Carolina Panther running back. You just heard from him earlier on the show in conversation with Blaine Wyland. I'm really looking forward to seeing what we can do with the linebacking core. We know we've got Larry Dean and Micah Tights. I don't, even though they're still saying Derek Moncrief could be ready for week one or will be around week one. I don't see it. So we got to find who that next guy's going to be. Is it C.J. Revis? Is it the NFL guy that came in late, T.J. Brunson? He looked awful in his first practice, but ever since then, he's been ramping it up. Uh, will some of the Canadian guys step up? And A.J. Allen, um, maybe uh, Nick Thomas, who got drafted in the uh, seventh round out of Manitoba. Maybe Matt Dean, who is uh, you know coming from York Peg to back up Micah Tights. We want to see the offensive line. What are those tackles going to look like? Uh, um, they've looked okay, but once again, not a lot of uh, physicality. A few few sessions today, I thought the practice today had some good energy. They added a pass rushing element uh, when they did the uh, drill at the end, where they were the offense was moving from the five yard line in. I'll tell you this right now, though, I'll be shocked if Shea Patterson doesn't make this team as a quarterback. Former Montreal Alouette, Michigan Wolverine product, he has looked good at quarterback. He'll be wearing number five. Um, Jake Dolagala and Mason Fine, I think, are in a battle for uh, for a spot on the roster because I think Patterson is in. Now, is he in as the backup? I don't. Right now, I'd say Shea Patterson's the backup quarterback on this team, just from what I see. He threw a beautiful pass down the near right sideline, going left to right, and dropped it in Sean Bain's hands, and he dropped it. Like it was a beautiful throw, about fifty yards, a rainbow toss, and dropped right into the bucket. And he dropped it. And that's been a problem with the rider receivers and the defensive backs, too. they got to get on the jug mach- uh, jugs machine, man, and, and catch some football. So I'm interested to see, but it's supposed to be slick, a little wet. So uh, we're going to find out on Saturday. By the way, this just came down from N- uh, NHL office. <laughs> Jamie Benn got a two-game suspension for his vicious cross-check on I think it was Mark Stone who uh, he kind of collided with at the blue line, and as he's skating up ice, uh, kind of stumbles and then just says, okay, I'll just use his face as a stopgap and just cross-checks him in the face and in the neck area. He got a two-game suspension. Uh, 
But what's hilarious is is Alex Petrangelo looks like he's clubbing a tree on Leon Dreisaitl and got one game. The NHL, if that happened in the, I'll say it again and I don't care, if that happened in the Canadian Football League or if they just arbitrarily decided to move playoff times because one team didn't want to play on a Sunday or on a Saturday like Florida, like they did in round number one, Everybody would say the CFL is a joke. Gary Bettman's NHL is a joke. It's a joke. Arizona still in the league? Give me a break. Absolute embarrassment. I, to be quite honest, I've watched five minutes of the playoffs. Yes, I know I'm salty. The Oilers are out. I've watched five minutes of the playoffs. Five since the Oilers got knocked out. I could care less now. I don't know about you. 936-6262, you can weigh in. Uh, we got some other comments to get to in a minute, but Luke Mulder will join us on the other side of 430 here on the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. It's 434 with the Sports Ticker for Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They will treat you right. Just give them a call at 781 781- 2090 stars captain Jamie Ben. Well, he's been suspended to playoff or regular season games for cross checking against Golden Knights forward Mark Stone. And I say or because, well, <laughs> Dallas could be swept. And let's be honest, the conference championships across the board have not been entertaining whatsoever. Uh, the Florida Panthers, they can sweep the Carolina Hurricanes tonight. Panthers up in that series 3-0. Puck drop for that one, 6 p.m. Saskatchewan time at 4.40 p.m. Saskatchewan time. So, yes, about five minutes from right now, the Toronto Blue Jays take on the Tampa Bay Rays from the Trop. The Sports Cage is your voice for football, not only in the province, but around Canada. This is the Sports Cage CFL Report, a look at what's happening in our three-down game. Well, John Hodge from Three Down Nation, obviously listening to our Sports Cage podcast. He heard the interview yesterday we did with Craig Dickinson where I asked Coach Dickey if they entertained the thought of maybe inquiring about Darnell Sankey, the former linebacker who left in free agency, uh, well, couldn't resign. Nobody met his $160,000 a year demand, so he went down and played in the XFL for what amount? It's about 65000 American. He won the championship. Um, and I asked Coach Dickinson, do you think he can come back here? Because we seem to be a little thin at the linebacking core. Well, Dickinson didn't really have an answer for that. But he did, uh, John Hodge did look into it. And apparently, Darnell Sankey's allowed to get out of his XFL deal if he goes to the NFL, but not the USFL, not the CFL, or any other league. So we won't have a chance to see Darnell Sankey back in the CFL if he so chooses until 2024. So there you go. Uh, Jordan Herdman-Reed, the brother of Ryder linebacker Justin Herdman-Reed, has signed with the Calgary Stampeders after being released, I believe, by the BC Lions, if I'm not mistaken. And Our Lady Peace will play the halftime show at the Alouettes home opener. So it's good to see the new owner getting on board there, too, Mr. Palado, whose uh, Quebec Remparts are in the Memorial Cup. And by the way, before, I'm just going to, ah, you know what, Singer? That's it for the CFL Report, which is brought to you by Kevin's Marine and Fort Capel. Make the most of summer with a boat or pontoon from Kevin's Marine. Check them out in person and Fort Coppell or online at kevinsmarine.com. Our house is your house. Welcome inside the Sports Cage on Saskatchewan Sports Radio 620 CKRM. 
You know, um, I, I have to shake my head. So I see the Memorial Cup uh, teams are practicing, and the Kamloops Blazers are out there on the ice, and they got, I go, what's on their neck? Oh, they got neck guards. Now, I don't know if they do that uh, in other leagues, like the C, the OHL or the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. I know we don't do it in the Western Hockey League, but it's mandatory at this tournament. So, uh, I don't know, Zinger, do they use extra sharp skates at this tournament? Like, my point is, why don't we, why aren't we wearing them all season long? Like, is that not stupid? Like, who sits there, who honestly sits there in a boardroom where smart people are supposed to be? And by the way, I found out in a lot of boardrooms, there's not a lot of smart people. So, a smart guy sitting in a boardroom, who, like, is there not somebody in the room with half a brain that says, you know what? Why are we? Why don't we do this all season long? Yeah, well, uh, protection. <laughs> well, no, I know. But if they're going to protect them in the memorial, I know, it, I know what you're saying. They got to wear them all season long. I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I just and the hockey it looks players, goofy. It looks goofy. First off, well, and then the, and then the hockey players are so stupid. They wear they 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 wear more equipment than a hockey store okay they're a hockey store out there but they won't wear shields or they they won't wear helmets and warm-ups taylor hall gets his face stepped on he's out for all that time back in the day and then the, the next time he has a chance to get on the ice he's he's got his helmet off again like i i don't know man uh, if i'm making if i'm making 12 million bucks a year you put as much as you can on me because I, I don't know about you but i like that paycheck it's obviously some kind of image thing i think they're going for you know the national junior hockey tournament for the country a lot of eyes on it they probably want to look all safe and stuff that's all it's all about it's just an image type thing going on with that yeah well there's a lot of listen just because somebody has a title or money doesn't necessarily mean they're smart i found out that out let's head out in the western pizza hotline and talk with luke mulliner get it hot get it fast at western pizza maybe you want to weigh in on what i was just babbling about there <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was listening to you, and you say, you know, just because they have title and money doesn't mean they're smart. Oh, let's go to Luke Mullinger speaking of, right? So, uh, um, <laughs> but, well, uh, it's true, Luke. Uh, who, who sits in a? Who sits in a? Okay, here, here's an example. Here's an example. We touched on this yesterday. Okay, I know what you're going to say because you did it, and it's worth re 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 uh, taking it. But like, so the NFL now has fair catches on kickoff. So why don't we just put the ball at the 25 instead of the charade where the guy catches it at the 10? calls for a fair catch and the ball's automatically at the 25. Well, we're doing it for player safety. Oh, yeah, but you're going to flex Thursday games. You're going to make a team that wasn't prepared to go from Sunday to Thursday right away because we care about the players. Yeah, totally. It's, it's not a good decision. And, and, and I think that, you know, uh, when it comes to just sort of uh, successful leadership traits, um, you know, the biggest thing is communication, regardless of, of what type of, of management system or what type of org charge you have. If, if you're, if you find a way to effectively communicate, you can overcome half the half the, the poor qualities that your leadership does have. But if there's no communication, you're really in tough. Well, yeah, and then you, you know, I, I said if things. If the NHL, if the CFL did half the things the NHL did with the, the amount of money the NHL has, um, 
you know, uh, we'd be laughed at and called Bush League. Like, uh, to be honest, Luke, we've both been um, critical of CFL officials, so we can't sit here and say we haven't. But when you think about the dollars put into our officials, and it is getting better somewhat, but when you think about the money spent on training and what we put into our officials versus what the other leagues do, the CFL officials stack up pretty good. Like, you look at the NHL. Petrangelo gets a one-game suspension for basically taking an overhead tomahawk chop on Dreisaitl, but the Dallas guy gets a two-game suspension for a cross-check around the face. Like, it makes no sense. Well, I feel like, I kind of feel like, you know, the, the reason why you're so so emotional about that is, is because it was Leon Dreisaitl, the best Edmonton Oilers. So, you know, I, I think that we'd get better perspective if you weren't a fan of the team. You know okay, I mean? so, okay, so, okay, okay, Luke, okay, Luke, so Michael Bunting gets a three-game suspension for an everyday elbow on the guy, uh, but uh, but but uh, this guy only get this guy gets a two game suspension yeah. for uh, for a cross for a cross check. Give me a break. You know, I I, I, I yeah, I, I feel you, man. It, consistency is is something that the league, all leagues, um, especially in this day and age, um, need to chase. And I think that that's the big challenge, right? And, and and I think that with the with the reliance on instant replay. Um, you have referees sort of second-guessing their decision immediately, you know, versus making a confident um, call. Like when I, you know, when I first started watching, let's take hockey, for instance. When I was when I was a young kid watching hockey, you know, the instant replay wasn't there. So, man, the, I mean, the referees delivered everything with confidence. These days, you know, the arm goes up, and I think that, you know, they're, they're already trying to figure out, okay, well, you know, what are we going to do here? You know, hopefully the, the the system doesn't see something else, right? Like, it, it is a whack. It's, it's a big mess, and I think it's, it's consistency is, is something that all leagues right now are really struggling with. Well, Luke, we had a little rain today at practice, um, but uh, then it, it kind of died down a bit, and uh, the intensity picked up a little bit. Like, they add pads on again, and they added a pass-rushing element to a couple of their drills, which I liked. Uh, it kind of whets the appetite for Saturday. Yeah. Um, what I really enjoyed today was we got a first look at just sort of what the personnel groupings were going to look like um, in the exhibition game. Obviously, um, which quarterback, you know, there was they used the quarterbacks that were going to play, not the quarterback that was, I think, that Trevor Harris has already gone. So, um, so I, yeah, I think that that was, I think you're right, man. It got, it got real at that point, right? It got real really quick um, once you saw that. And, I think that there's going to be a really limited playbook. And, and for these guys, I mean, that's the fairest thing to do, right, is give them a limited playbook, let them play fast, let them play hard, and let them get evaluated. Because the one thing that, you know, we, we, we see in, in this landscape of training camp especially, and, you know, I, I spent some time talking with Coach Dickinson about this. You know, um, the riders were, were sort of behind the eight ball to begin with, you know, needing to make cuts in, in the first three days before even having an exhibition game, right? So um, I, I think that I, – I think that – you know, in order for people or guys on the field right now to get evaluated, you need you need to to really limit what you call. And I think that the riders have done that. You know, over the last I know that existed when I was playing as well. So hopefully these guys come out and play fast, man. Because the the problem is there hasn't been a lot of opportunities to to be evaluated, right? I mean, even during practices, right? There's been a limit on competitiveness, right? They're, they're, like for instance. Mm-hmm. You know they're having some issues with uh, with with personnel right now, so they haven't done one on ones for for the receivers and DBs in a couple practices, right? And when when you don't get that evaluation tool, right, you got to look for it elsewhere. So um, I would expect mm-hmm. a really simple playbook, um, nothing to add. I'd be really shocked if we saw the Mario Alfred package get broken out on Saturday. But again, yeah. it's about playing fast and going out and, and putting 
up some some plays. Hey, uh, before we uh, hear from Demarcus Christmas, just your thoughts on that interior. We talk about uh, Miles Brown holding his own, Demarcus Christmas back again, but then uh, Brian Cox Jr. is starting to throw guys around. So, what has to or not ha- has to happen for you know uh, Brian Cox Jr. to supplant one of those guys? Well, you know, and and, and I think that I think that what Brian Cox Jr. needs to do is exactly what he's been doing, right? Is is going out. Um, you know, putting good things on tape because one of the things that has been coupled with Brian Cox's, you know, continued development, Miles Brown development is, is the fact that Micah Johnson hasn't really been available, you know, all throughout camp, right? I mean, he's been there in spots, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, um, we, we've had to sort of look at that rotation without Micah Johnson um, because Micah Johnson, right? And, and like, and, and, and that's essentially a situation they're in during a real game, right? Okay, well, what are we doing without Micah, right? And right now, I think that uh, guys like Christmas and, and Miles Brown have really taken advantage of those reps. Um, obviously, the big, the big, the big piece and the big domino here is always going to be Anthony Linear the second. I think that uh, if he stays healthy, this team's got a shot on the interior. But it's been nice because we've actually seen some depth there, right? And depth has been a concern mm-hmm. for the rest of the squad across the board um, when it comes to the conversations you and I have been having. Yeah, so I want to hear from DeMarcus Christmas. We'll go to break, and then when we come back on the other side, I want to get your take on something you mentioned there. Uh, Just picked up on it. I think we can expand on it. But first, let's hear from DeMarcus Christmas. All right, I'm joined with uh, defensive tackle with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, DeMarcus Christmas. And DeMarcus, to start off with, uh, how are things going in camp so far as we enter the second week, getting closer to that first preseason game? You know, right now, everything's a grind. You know, everybody's getting a little sore, but it's the dog days of camp, you know. So everybody's out here just working to get better every day. I just want to go back to last season. You and Miles Brown kind of got thrown into the fire a little bit there with uh, the injuries. But how much did that help you, uh, you know, getting some game action last season uh, with the Rough Riders? Um, it was a, it, it was pretty good. It was a lot. Um, being my first professional season that I actually got to play not being injured. So it was a, a great deal coming off Achilles rupture for the first time coming out playing. Is this training camp a little bit more comfortable for you? Because I know you signed late uh, last year, uh, kind of really close to training camp, and there was that abbreviated training camp. Uh, is it more comfortable now, you know, having a full season under your belt, a full off season under your belt, and here entering your second season? Oh, uh, yes, yeah, this is a little more relaxed. Uh, you know what you're getting into. Uh, you know what the grind takes. You know, you know what you have to work on. Because coming out here last year, you really didn't know, like, the – what to do and certain and how the, how the rules work. So now coming out here and seeing how the rules work, more relaxed. That one yard off the ball, I'm sure that has to be the biggest adjustment as a defensive tackle. How did you handle that adjustment? It is it and is it a tough adjustment? It's not really adjustment. I would say it give us a little advantage actually as a defensive lineman because you got the momentum going forward and you got guys. So, so I feel like it's, it's more of an advantage for D lineman a little bit. Just want to talk a little bit about the, your fellow defensive linemen. It's a really strong group of the team. First off, starting with Anthony Lanier. Just want to get your thoughts about the big dog, Anthony Lanier. Hey, man, that's the GOAT. GOAT himself, man. He come out here every day, work hard, you know. All you can do is love him. He come out, be yourself every day, come out, lead. And as well, I just want to get your thoughts about uh, Pete Robertson from the edge. Hey, man, the old head. Hey, good guy, come out, work hard, you know, a guy you can follow after. Um, pretty much they set the stone and we and we go we come right behind him. 
And then, you, I don't know, it always seems like I'd like to pair you up with Miles Brown. It seems like you guys have been kind of a pair, a duel uh, since you both uh, entered the league last year. Just wanted to get your thoughts about Miles Brown. Hey, man. One of my one of my closest friends, you know, coming in together, figuring it out together. We room together. Uh, we pretty much do everything together. So we came in, figured it out. That's how we got our bond. Can you describe the feel of the team and camp this season as you're entering your second season after last season? Obviously, a little bit of disappointment. What's kind of been the atmosphere and the feeling uh, with the team as you guys are participating in camp this week? All we could do is put the team first, and we, we know the goal that we want at the end of the season. That's a great cup, so we do what we have to do out here to put uh, get there. The recruiting process the Rough Riders went through last season to get you up here. Just talk about how did the Rough Riders reach out to you, and how did you find out uh, about the possibility about playing here in the CFL? Um, really coming off injury and not having any professional film to enter my go back into the NFL, so my agent entered my name up here, and Saskatchewan was the first ones that called. So, you know, the first ones that called, some type of, you know, that's how I got here. Did you know, Did you uh, were you familiar with the CFL before uh, you got that contact? No, not at all. <laughs> so I guess I'm going to ask you, yeah, no idea what you're getting to in terms of Saskatchewan weather, eh? Uh, besides the negative 40 that I heard about, I haven't experienced it yet. But, uh, shoot, hopefully we experience this year. That's right during the... Great cup, right? It's around that time. So hopefully we get to experience it. You know, once in a while it does get to zero. <laughs> it's crazy how the weather works in November. You know, but going back to your college days, a Florida Seminole, I know I watched you a few I spent a lot of time watching you when you played college. I got to ask about Doe Campbell Stadium. That's on my bucket list. What was it like playing there in uh, Tallahassee? Hey, man, that was one of the greatest crowds I ever played in front of fans. Man, it was it's overwhelming a little bit when you're out there and you're just surrounded by, like, the ground shakes. It's, it's, it goes crazy. What was it like when they plant the spear in the middle of the field? Oh, man, that's like, it gives you the chillers every time. It's, it never, it's never a dull moment in that part. And, of course, one of the top uh, defensive linemen in the NFL you got to play with at Florida State, Brian Burns. I just want to get your thoughts about Burns. Man, a hard worker, athletic, uh, do what he needs to do to win. That's okay. Hey, but uh, DeMarcus, you got any personal goals for yourself this season? Do you ever, you know, at the beginning of the season, set yourself up, uh, you know, with uh, maybe a checklist of things you want to get accomplished throughout the season? Um, I want to have five or more sacks this year. Uh, I want to get my sacks up most definitely. All right. Thanks a lot, DeMarcus, and good luck. Yes, sir. Thank you. That's DeMarcus Christmas, one of those vying for a spot in the interior of that rider's D-line. We'll return with Luke Mullender in a moment. want to ask him a question about a guy he just mentioned and uh, want to expand on it. It's Micah Johnson. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sports Cage. Now back to the action on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. All right, welcome back to the Sports Cage. Luke, we have about two minutes before we have to go to news, but you mentioned something. Oh, we got to call Luke back, okay? We'll call him back. You know what? Hold off on Luke till the other side. Yeah, hold off till Luke to the other side. Got a couple of texts here. Hi, my name's Ed. You're right about hockey. Haven't watched two minutes since the quarterfinals. Thank goodness TSN decided to show junior hockey. Finally, some decent hockey. We won't watch another minute of NHL playoffs. I will watch the Memorial Cup. Chad from the 858. Nothing happened to Everly for breaking Lekkonen's neck. It wasn't Lekkonen's neck. It was a bone in his old teammate Cogliano's neck. But you're right. He didn't get anything. That was an embarrassment, too. Ballsy. Be- 
bang on with the NHL. Once your team is out, it's hardly watchable. Regular season's mostly meaningless unless a team is tight for playoffs in the last month and trying to squeeze in out every last dollar out of the fans wrecks the game. For example, I cheer for the Habs, get 10 sports channels, and I'm blacked out of Habs games on my satellite here in Saskatchewan because I'm not in the right area. Um, yeah, so that's from Brent in Strasburg and Ryan saying, starting to think sports is fixed. The refing was brutal in Edmonton Vegas series. Also, there's no way Gary Bettman was allowing a Canadian team to knock off Vegas. They have, uh, too big of a market and lose money. As long as Gary Bettman's in charge, a Canadian team won't win the Stanley Cup. Well, <laughs> you're not necessarily wrong with that uh, because uh, since Gary Bettman took over as the commissioner in 1993, that's the last time a Canadian team won a Stanley Cup, the Montreal Canadiens. I, I won't go that far, but it is pretty fishy with some of the calls. Um and I think, by the, for the most part, the refs get it right. It's the department of BS, as I like to call it, not player safety BS that gets it wrong, led by Colin Campbell, who should be put out the pasture. Uh, like, get, give me a break. Absolute embarrassment. Anyways, I don't care. It's CFL season. We're going to take a break and be back to talk more football in a moment. Still encouraging your texts at 936-6262 here on the Sports Cage from McDougal Auctioneers in Saskatoon on 620 CKRM. Sports Talk lives here. Welcome to another hour of the Sports Cage with your host, Michael Ball. And away we go for the last hour of the show. It's brought to you, uh, well, it's not brought to you by anybody today, but we'll say it's brought to you by McDougal Auctions because we're here at the uh, boardroom area of McDougal Auctioneers Limited. You can check them out at mcdougalauction.com. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline, dinner time, game time, anytime, a great time to order Western Pizza. We'll get to uh, Luke Monitor, our color commentator and former rider, in a few minutes to uh, talk about our specs by Ryan, one to watch. Also, uh, we're going to hear from more uh, rider figures, players, and Coach Craig Dickinson before this is all said and done. And it's a Where Are They Now Wednesday, and that means we'll catch up with a figure in the sporting world, either a player, builder, coach, or somebody that uh, had an impact on, on a sporting event or, or a sport we love. And today it's Dale Isaac, former CFL broadcaster, local Regina broadcaster, now living up here in Saskatoon. But I'm joined by Mitch from McDougal. Auctions, thanks for having us here. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for letting me on. Okay, so tell us, uh, this is a busy time of year for you guys, so somebody's listening to the show. What 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 do you handle in terms of uh, auction items and things like that? Basically, if it's worth money, we sell it. We kind of specialize in uh, egg and industrial equipment, mm-hmm. restaurant equipment, anything that's worth money. We sell anything from barbecue spices to you know, <laughs> restaurant equipment. Well, that's cool. So collectibles, yeah, and so uh, it's changed, right? Like the industry has changed because uh, you know, in a lot of play, you go to a yard sale and have an auction or anything like that. Everything's online now, right? Everything's online. Yeah, no more big auctioneer at the front. So, what happens with regards to that? Do you have them on certain days, or how does that work? Yep, here in Saskatoon, we have an auction close every Tuesday, and in the last Thursday in every month, we have a restaurant sale. Okay, restaurant sale, and of course, the big. Uh, the big uh, corporate head office is just outside of Regina near White City. So you got one in 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 Re- White City, Regina here, Winnipeg, and Brandon. And this is kind of like you know even like boats and stuff. You wouldn't be hauling a boat in February, right? You want to have the people bring their stuff down this time of year, right? Absolutely, yeah. This is the time where we make the money. So if you got anything to sell, bring it by. And any information, they can go to your website. 
Yep, McDougalBay.com or give us a call at 306-652-4334 and we'd be happy to help you out. Awesome, man. Thanks for your time, Mitch. Appreciate it, man. And thanks for having us down here. No we worries. appreciate it. Are, no you a, are you a rider fan? Do you cheer for the Rough Riders? Of course. Who else? All right. Who's your, uh, are you, how do you think the team's going to do this year? You know, I don't really know. I'm going to the preseason game on Saturday, so All right. we'll see. Well, he's going down for big corporate big wig meetings here, so you got to do that and then go <laughs> check out the game, right? Well, enjoy the game, man. Appreciate it. That's Mitch here at McDougal uh, Auctions in uh, Saskatoon. Check him out at McDougalAuction.com, 1-800-263-4193. All right. Let's hear from a guy who was with the team last year, and uh, he's back again, just coming off a knee injury. That would be number 14, Tevin Jones. Here's one of my favorite dudes on the team, Tevin Jones, receiver, special teamer for the Rough Riders. Little slow start for you in camp, coming off an off-season knee problem. How you feeling right now? I'm feeling great, man. So you know, it's, uh, some people say it's a rainy day, it's a bad day, but no, I like it. It makes, it makes you uh, uh, enjoy all the other days. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. But coming off a knee, a problem. Do you get a little like the you know the the the, the surface is a little slippery? Is there a little bit of mental thing to to get over an injury like that? So that's the thing. So I like days like this because you can work on the things that you never work on. You know, the ground is never wet until it is. You know, so. Um, I can come out here and work on a, a slick surface. Yeah, you know, football can be an insecure business. You're not, uh, you're not running right away at the start of camp. You're watching other guys run. Uh, does that ever enter your mind? Do you get stressed out about things like that? Yeah. So um, football is, uh, I feel, I feel like football is like 35% physical, and the rest is all mental. Mm-hmm. So if I can beat it mentally, as far as like seeing everybody play, seeing everybody doing whatever, and uh, and just beat it mentally, I can go out there and do it myself. One advantage for you, though, is you showed in spurts what you can do in the offense, and, of course, you were a good special teamer. That's how you stick around. Mm-hmm. So I'm just glad to just have this opportunity to be out here, especially um, the, they know what I can bring to the offense. And special, and special teams, I just, I'm just glad to be on it, help yeah. the team uh, be better. What are you noticing different about this camp than last camp in terms of the mentality? Last year, you guys were hosting a Grey Cup, didn't turn out the way you wanted. It was a tough season. What, what's the vibe here at camp this year? This year is more of like a... Instead of just uh, everybody, you know, friends around, I feel like it's more loose. Like, it's more like I can relax and I can get to know my teammates better. And just, like, the new, the new people that we, got, that we have coming in, they're doing a great job. And I feel like everybody's gelling together well. Yeah. What do you uh, what do you make of Trevor Harris, uh, the new veteran quarterback for you guys? Great guy. I don't know where he came from, probably from heaven. But I'm glad <laughs> he's here, you know. So, yeah, he's doing it. He's doing his thing out there. And uh, uh, just the, the seniority that he has over people, the, yeah. the comfortability that we have in the huddle, just everything is just a little different. And talk about the receiving core. There seems to be a couple of good moving parts. I don't know that I've seen a true number one, but across the board, it looks like it's a pretty balanced attack. See, the thing is, uh, there's five fingers to a fist, you know, so I feel like all of us together, we're all number one. You know, Coach Kelly's doing a good job on um, uh, emphasizing our strengths, and, you know, we're all mixing in the playbook well, so everything's going good. How is this playbook, this offense under Kelly Jeffrey, who was the running backs coach last year, how's it different than under Jason Moss? Uh, Some people say that um, uh, our, our offense is it's really hard to learn, but once you get into it, and Kelly's doing a great job of teaching us all, we're all comfortable with the with the playbook and what we're doing. So uh, everything is very good right now. So. You know, it's funny because I talked to Alfred, and he said, you know, I, fo- I found nothing against Jason Moss, but I found I had to think too much, and thank God I wasn't in the offense much. Mm-hmm. He says, I don't want to say it's easier, but it's just you, you don't have to think as much. Would you agree with that? Every offense, you have to think. You have to think a lot, you know. Yeah. But once you get comfortable and you get in the offense, everything becomes slow, slows down. Yeah. I'm just glad Mario's, Mario's a part of the offense now, so this is great. Yeah, talk about that because it's like, you know, you have a Ferrari and you only use them on Sundays. Maybe you want to use the Ferrari on a Friday and a Thursday. Right. Look, so I'm trying to make them versatile. So, you know, anything you can do, especially team, anything you can do on offense, I'm just glad to see them, especially run routes. I've never seen them run routes like that before, yeah. so he's doing good. Yeah. You had some time in the NFL. They just changed the rule where uh, kickers were getting good at kicking the ball down but not putting it through the 
end zone so the returner would have to return it, right? They'd pooch it down to the 10 or the 5. Now they've got a fair catch rule on the kickoff, so if Tevin Jones catches it at the 5, it automatically comes out to the 25. I'm like, why are we even kicking it off? That's what I love about our game. you got to do something with the ball every time. Right, and I'm glad that our game was like that because it gives me a chance to go down there and make a tackle. So uh, some people think that I can't tackle because I play receiver, so I'll go down there and show them that I'm an athlete, and I can do the best I can do to make this team better. So, yeah. Okay, so uh, we talked about adversity. How do you keep yourself up? How do you how do you stay positive? Because every time I talk to you, you're positive. You did a great job hanging around in the offseason during Great Cup Week. Where does that mindset come from? How do you keep in a, in a positive state of mind? Um, I've been on the outside looking in, and I'm just glad to be playing this game of football. Because there's a lot of people out there right now that are not playing football that they wish they can play. So I'm just glad to be out here every single day. Just put my cleats on, put my helmet on, put my pads on, because a lot of people cannot do it. You appreciate this league more now that you're kind of into it your second year than you did when you first came up here and didn't know much about it. And it's given guys like you a second opportunity to keep their career going. Yeah, so um, my second round, my second year around, I think that um, I really enjoy it because you can like put more thought into what you're doing, especially a receiver. Like when you move, people don't understand them, the motion of the game and how many, like how the extra player makes a difference. Yeah, yeah and uh, these fans out here, man, they're great. They're great. I love them. Yeah, and yeah. you have a goal for yourself. What's a goal for yourself this year? I know you want to win the Grey Cup, but what does Tevin Jones want to do personally? I want to get 1% better every day, and I just want to win. If we can win, like, even just win a practice, win one day at a time, I just want to win. Feel like I won, doesn't matter. I just want to win. I'm glad I'm talking to you now. I hope you're around for the year. Uh, continued success. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it, man. That's Tevin Jones, receiver slash special teamer for your Saskatchewan. Rough Riders probably see him in action on Saturday versus the BC Lions. Up next, our one to watch for Specs by Ryan as we're rejoined by the Riders color commentator Luke Mulder. Plus, I've got to ask him a question about something he brought up earlier on the show. This is the sports cage from McDougal Auctioneers in Saskatoon on 620 CKRM. The kings of Saskatchewan sports talk. This is the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Luke Mulliner's song, Better Than All the Rest. He's joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline. Tina Turner passing away today. That's uh, Time comes for everybody, but she was definitely the queen of rock and roll. Um, uh, and that kind of music is... Uh, it transcends all genres of music, including country music. So rest in peace to the 83-year-old rock icon. Luke, you brought something up about uh, Micah Johnson, and we haven't seen a lot of him here in training camp. Like, he's been in indie drills. He's kind of been around, uh, you know, a little bit early on in camp, but lately we haven't seen a lot of him. Um, I just want your thought process behind that. Like, if you were the rider's brass, is there a concern keeping him on the rock? Like, Keeping him around, I guess, is the way to ask it. Uh, I, I don't. I don't think there's a concern with keeping him around. I don't think that they 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 invested a ton of money into Mike and Johnson's return um, this year. I think that uh, the question is, and, and this is why what makes Saturday so important, especially along that interior defensive line, is that you know what do we actually have in a guy like Demarcus Christmas and a guy like Miles Brown and and Brian Cox Jr. for instance, right? And, and, and he's not the only one there, but but if you get if you get 
a really positive performance from those three and the other defensive tackles. I think that the question then becomes, okay, well, you know, is, is Micah is Micah worth, you know, worth, uh, you know, do we want Micah to start or is it, or is it, should we look at options with the guys that the younger guys that are out there that are healthy, that might be a little bit more of a sustainable solution moving forward. Right. Um, now, having said that you, you want a guy like Micah Johnson that, 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 and the experience that he brings in your locker room. So I think that you try as hard as you can to make it work. But I mean, if you're faced with the decision of saying, okay, do we keep Micah around or do we go with these younger guys? Like that's not a bad problem to have. You know what I mean? So, so the Riders win either way. I just think that you know it does come down like how healthy is Micah Johnson, and, and is it worth you know is is having Micah Johnson you know for for part of the year and then having to go to the younger guys something that we want to go down, or do we just let the younger guys roll? Well, that's that's the interesting thing behind the scenes. So you got Demarcus Christmas and Miles Brown. They're now into their second camp. I think they have to be a lot better than Brian Cox Jr. to stay around. I'm just using that as an example. Like Brian Cox Jr. slowly come on. He's you know he's throwing guys around like you said. He's showing a vicious streak in the middle. And um, I don't know. Like I I kind of expected more from Demarcus Christmas last year. To be honest with you. Yeah, but, but here's the problem, right? Well, not the problem, but here, here's the thing about Demarcus Christmas and Miles Brown is you have film on them, right? And and a guy can look like a you know uh, an all CFL um, defensive tackle in practice, right? When when mm-hmm. you're when you're going against guys that you're used to going to, like it, the being in a game situation is totally different, especially when you're in a game situation where you're getting a significant amount of playing time, right? So I think that I think that that's what you got to see out of these guys. Okay, you know, like. Um, a is, is Demarcus is Demarcus Christmas and and Miles Brown have they have they truly gotten better because they they've looked good in camp but you know where have they developed uh, to um, now that we've seen them in an exhibition that action and um, what does Brian Cox is, is is the potential there to be an absolute stud is the is there an obvious like we need this guy on the team decision um, to be made or is it or is it simply hey now that we've seen um, you know Christmas and Miles Brown. Um, we think that they're guys, especially being a second year into the system, they're guys that we can roll with, that we can trust, and, and, and we get results from. I'm amazed. Like, I don't think this has been a particularly tough camp, Luke. I, I have, I'm interested to see if you can just flip a switch and play a hard-hitting football game. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to tell you, the, the, the easy answer is, is you can't. Um, and I think that um, today was a good sign that they tried to make come out, make an effort. It was, it was really... The, the, the conditions were not weren't ideal. They went out there and they got an hour's worth of work that was primarily competitive um, out there today. They were in pads. Um, I think that tomorrow you continue to sort of press, um, you know, get guys used to the plays that are going to be called, get them used to the call sheet, get them used to their rotations. And then in walkthrough, it suddenly becomes real. Hey, here's the other thing, too. Um, no, you can't just turn on competitive. You can't just turn on gear five, right? Um, but, but, I mean... The expectation is the expectation, right? Um, and and you can't. We got to remember, at some point, you got to take the kids' glove off, the kids' gloves off, and 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 leave these guys to be the professional athletes that they want to be, right? And that's that that's part of the deal. Like you know, hey, they, yeah. yes, you know, has 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 have they been in three days in a parking lot like like Roger Aldeg? Nope. Have they been in two a days that with a million reps like Luke Maunder and his teammates? Nope. Um, but they have been in the situation that they've been in and, you know, 
right now, if you can't motivate yourself to make a professional ball club, then you can't motivate yourself to, to, to get to the point like you weren't the guy in the first place, right? And I'm not saying I'm not I'm not giving a free pass to the coaching staffs and right on the in terms of the logistics and layout of camp. I'm not saying that, you know, they've done everything they can. I felt like they could have pushed them a little bit harder. But at the end of the day, you know, if these guys want to be pro athletes, then it's time to show it. All right, time now for our specs by Ryan. One to watch. Don't just get glasses, get specs. I'm going to pick mine up on Friday. I can't wait. They do a great job over there. Kind of intimidated when you go into this uh, funky place with all these different glasses. Oh, I, I couldn't wear those. But it's kind of like when you go into the gym for the first time and the trainer walks you through and it's not so bad. That's how I felt when I went there. So go check them out there on Elbert Street. Our ones to watch today, I say ones because I think we're we're going to be focused a little bit. We know we got the long snapper. We know we got the field goal kicker i'm still uh, waiting to see who's going to assume the punting job we've got adam korzak who's the ray guy uh, award winner for best punter in ncaa college football he's a global player for the rough riders signed here uh, just this week and then you've got Kari vedvik so i'm interested to see how that shakes down it might be a little inclement weather on saturday too windy rainy yeah, something's got to shake there, right? I mean, we we if there's we talked about it in our, in our quick little rider rewind today. If there if there's been consistent challenges or problems that that we've seen at the rider camp, it's been drop balls and also the the punting, the inconsistency in punting. It hasn't been really good, and and yeah, have the weather conditions been been great. No, but hey, welcome to Saskatchewan, right? Like you're not gonna kick. Very rarely in Saskatchewan are you gonna come out as a punter and be like, man, she's a beauty. You're not gonna say that here, right? You've got you've yeah. got a bowl down there that's that's you know whatever how many feet it is under right underground. You got the wind that mm-hmm. swirls, right? You've got like that's that's just the problems you got to play in. So these guys are gonna have to come out here, yeah. And I and I'm I'm really hoping that Kervid that comes out and, and manages to to find his accuracy in terms of you know putting teams in in, in questionable field position because we know he can boom it. But I mean even that was has been absent this camp. So. Um, you're right, right? Like there's there's something to watch every single series, and and um, fortunately for us, if it's second and ten, and the and the riders don't manage to move the sticks, then we still have um, something to really watch and look out for in the punting. Because yeah, I don't think there's a guy that you can be like, man, this guy's our guy, right? And so you're right. And we ta- I mean, the, yeah, the and we ta- and louder, locked in. As far as anything yeah. else, up in the air. Yeah, that's that's for sure. And lastly, before I let you go for the day, that's the one thing that has kind of bugged me. I mean, uh, we always say defensive backs are receivers that can't catch, but you do have to capitalize on a few of these and pick them off to really turn the tide. Now, Nick Marshall has been a pick-six machine in his Rough Rider career, but he's dropped a couple here at camp while picking off a couple. Jeremy Clark has struggled a little bit. Uh, Amari Henderson, though, popped with a big interception today, so he made a big play. But then there was a nice throw. Shea Patterson, deep, down the right side line going left to right he threw it about 45 yards rainbow toss dropped it right in the bucket for sean bain jr and he flat out dropped it i mean yeah, bain jr. that's and been that's, a real disappointment go ahead i didn't mean to interrupt you i apologize no go, go ahead no go ahead you're completely ahead. right it's it's you know sean bain's been really inconsistent with that um he, he you know for for a guy that was was as ballyhooed as he was coming into rider camp um i mean Again, that's that's what I would look to Sean Bain to make to be one of those guys in camp to make the plays. 
But uh, so far, it hasn't been anybody consistently but Darrell Walker, which is why one, he's one of our best players uh, in camp right now. But it's probably also a concern when 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 you got Darrell Walker as a guy that you knew wanted you wanted to be around and you knew he wanted you wanted him to make plays. But right now, I mean, Darrell Walker looks like the number one receiver, and I'll leave that to, to the coaching staff and Ryder Nation and to us to determine whether that's a good thing or not when it comes to Saturday and moving forward into Week One. Good point. Thanks for your time, man. Have a good night. We'll talk to you tomorrow at the field. All right, man. Hey, make a couple bids if there's anything cool for auction over there, all right? Yeah, well, for sure. Well, they got restaurant equipment. Do you want? Do you need some restaurant equipment in your man cave downstairs with you and Luther when you're when you're have, uh, you know getting those snacks? If you got a smoker, I'm sure they do. All right. <laughs> you know, I purposely I purposely kept you away so this segment wouldn't cost you money. <laughs> You're always looking out for me, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> See you later, man. Take care. We are coming to you from the boardroom at McDougal Auctioneers. That's awesome. Yeah, it's unbelievable, folks. I'm in the boardroom. My feet are up on the table. I feel like a million bucks, like I'm in charge. Meeting adjourned. We'll be back with more in a moment on 620 CKRM. It's 5.32 with your sports ticker for Busy Bee Overhead. Busy Bee will repair or replace your residential or commercial garage door so you don't get stuck in or out. You can catch the buzz, Busy Bee Doors. The garage door specialists, the Toronto Blue Jays, they are specialists in not winning baseball games. They won one yesterday. They uh, scored 20 runs yesterday, but today is a new day, so that means they are losing. It's 3-1 to one for the Tampa Bay Rays in the fourth inning. Big hockey game tonight. Well, not really, but uh, the Florida Panthers, they are up three games to none over the Carolina Hurricanes, so they can punch their ticket to the Stanley Cup final tonight with a win. Can they sweep the Hurricanes? Yeah, probably. Showcasing the boys of summer. Time for another edition of the Sports Cage Regina Red Sox Report on 620 CKRM. Red Sox Report for the Canadian Brew House. Enjoy the NHL at the CBH Saturday nights with a dollar off tankards. Well, here we go. Finally, tomorrow, opening day across the WCBL. The Regina Red Sox are in Weybrook to take on the Beavers. It will be a 7 o'clock first pitch from Tom Lang Park. And two big home games coming up this weekend for the Sox. Saturday, May 27th, Swift Current is in town. Sunday, Moose Jaw is in town for a nice 2 p.m. matinee start time at Curry Field. For single game tickets, for flex plans, for all the ticket details that you need, RegineRedSox.com is the place to go. Cannot wait to finally start talking about some baseball here on these reports. Opening day tomorrow, Red Sox, Beavers, play ball! You're listening to the radio home of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, the Sports Cage on 620 CKRM. Welcome back to Saskatoon Training Camp 2023. We're coming to you live from McDougal Auctioneers. If you want to get in the uh, buying and selling game, Auction style, mcdougalauction.com, 1-800-263-4193. Thanks to them for always supporting our uh, endeavors on 620 CKRM. All right, sorry, I just got to look at my lineup here that I sent to my great producer, Sean Kleisinger, back at the station. You can text us, 936-6262, the number to text, powered by the Capital Auto Group. All our guests come to you via the Western Pizza Hotline, like Luke Mullinder. And... uh it's time now. Let's uh, let's do this, singer. How about we hear first from uh, Riders coach Craig Dickinson after practice? 
yeah, it actually was just what the doctor ordered. I think the guys uh, were a little tired. I think the routine was getting old. So to come out in a little bit of rain and some puddles, I think the guys actually enjoyed it. So I was glad it rained. It was good for us to get used to some elements, and, and it just changed up the feel feel of it today a little bit. Mason, fine. Oh, sorry. I was going to say happy with what you saw. I, yep. I mean, I didn't catch it yep. all, but I happy. was here for about the half. You know, half no. again, you'll, 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 I'll say the same thing. Good energy and nobody being injured is, is what we're looking for. And the execution was pretty good. We tried a new drill at the end there um, where we added a little pass rush during Skelly, so that was fun. Um, all in all, a good day for sure. like Mason fine was yeah, he had a good day. Yeah, you know, Trevor's gone, so the the young quarterback's got a little more work today. And uh, we'll watch the film. But I, all in all, like I said, I thought it was an excellent day. Got a chance to catch some balls in the rain. We dropped a few. Um, we'll have to work on that. But it's good to get out. You play in the rain, so you want to get at least a few practices in the rain. Amari Henderson's pick, what did you think of that? Nice play. He's had a good camp. You know, he came into camp a little bit bigger, a little stronger, and, and he's had a, a nice camp. He plays, uh, I, I liken him to Dressler. He plays above his weight. Yeah, he does. I don't even know what his weight is, but it's not much. He's probably <laughs> 175, but but he plays, you're right, he plays He plays bigger than that, so that's a good thing. The, uh, I'm doing a piece on, on Kevon Beckwith. Mm. What's he brought to the coaching staff? As a yeah, Coach Beck... He's, he's got great energy. You know, he's one of the guys we looked at for the D-line job, and we really liked a lot of things about him. So we felt like, you know what, let's get him into camp and see if he can, can and, and is willing to guest coach for us. And we've been thrilled with him. He's brought, brought a lot of good juice to that D-line group. I think the D-line group is our strongest group. And I think with Coach Dell and, and Kevon working on them, they're getting excellent coaching along the way. Greg, we're talking with uh, Mitch Picton today, and uh, I did notice him stand up quite a bit at the start of the camp anyway, at least to me he did. Um, he's now turned in a little bit of a CFL veteran, uh, more, yeah, uh, more yeah. uh, mileage <laughs> under, uh, under his belt. Anyway, just your thoughts or expectations that you guys have. Yeah, he you know, he's, he, he constantly, uh, how should I say, I wouldn't say surprises you, but you, you know, you bring in guys every year, and Pick just seems to outplay him. You know, he's one of those guys that, uh, was drafted, I think, a little bit later in the in the draft when he came out, and you knew he had great ability. Um, you were worried a little bit about his 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 weight and his ability to hold up, but you know he got in the weight room, he got stronger. He's as smart as they come. He can play any position, and when the ball comes to him, he just makes plays. So he uh, he just keeps impressing guys every year. It seems to me that he is poised to make that next big leap. Uh, I, I think yeah. so, yeah. He, and he had a good year last year. So I'm hoping he just stays healthy one and uh, and finds a fit in this offense. This is a little different offense, and uh, he's done a good job so far, but we'll just see how it goes in the preseason and, and go from there. Can you really evaluate your O-line? Kind of, you know, you, you haven't had a lot of physical uh, well, periods, or is it a thing where Saturday we're going to see what it's all Saturday's going to be big, Michael, but we've, we're trying. I mean, you saw today in pads, we had a pass rush section, in, even in Skelly. Yeah. So uh, we're evaluating them on a daily basis. They're getting better, I think, each day. But to really see who's going to stand out and, and, and play well, we're going to have to have to watch that game on Saturday. What kind of timetable is there for Derek Moncrief? We're hoping to get him back for the first game. Um, that's that's not a for sure thing, but that's our goal. We just want to get your thoughts uh, just on discipline. And obviously this team last year was one of the most penalized teams in the league. Uh, 
talking to a couple of your defenders, it sounds like uh, there's been a lot more accountability this year. Can you kind of expand on the message yep, of staying, sure. off, staying off the play? Sure. Staying I, out of the box. I'm the thrilled to hear that, by the way. I, that has been our message from day one. You know, we started camp uh, with a big, long spiel about what we're all about, uh, what we expect from the players, what, what they can expect from us. And, uh, and we spelled it out pretty clearly. And I think that with that happening, I think it's going to be an ongoing thing where we'll have to every day talk about it. But, but I do think we're seeing some early returns from that. I think the guys are getting it. They're, they're taking care of each other and still competing at a high level. So that's going to be a big key to our success this year is if we can continue to take accountability f- for our work and for our teammates and also be disciplined and take less penalties and play just as hard and as physical as we always do. How curious are you to see Adam Corsak in a game? Super curious. He's a good player. Um, I'm curious to see what his skill set looks like in the CFL. Um, he's he's done a good job fitting in so far. and We're going to give him probably half the game on Saturday. He's excited to get that to, to that first preseason. Yeah, finally. we are. It's fun to play somebody else. You know, the guys get tired of hitting each other, and so it'll be a lot of fun getting out there and playing in uh, Mosaic on Saturday. And for the coaches, too. you got some new coaches yeah. to work out something I there, know. too. They've been asking me about the headsets. I say, hey, fellas, we're just going to have to get it figured out on game day. So it, it should be a lot of fun. There'll be some tense moments in the game, but I think everybody's looking forward to it. My juice is starting to flow now. Can't wait to call that game. This is from Bob Preston. I appreciate the fact that our number one QB is going home for the birth of his child. What I do not appreciate is what comes out of Coach Dickinson's mouth saying that they had planned to play the other three quarterbacks to see where they are anyway. The Riders have to prove to the fans they are serious this season after the crap football that was displayed last season. Starters should be playing the first half so they get used to contact and sync with players next to them. Quarterback and receivers. Timing has to be perfected. Ten Penalties have to be down from the idiotic penalties that happened last season. A killer instinct has to be installed and start hammering the opposition. A no-loss attitude installed on home turf. On paper, this is a good team, but timing in unison is key to winning. All players have to talk to each other, reminding each other a yard off the line of scrimmage. No more excuses, and this includes the coaching staff. So there you go. That Give is me a from helmet. Inch Bob. by inch, play by play, till we're finished. Let's yeah. go. Come on. Bob Preston is fired up. Rider Nation's fired up. You could text in 936-6262. Hey, uh, let's, uh, let's do this. Let's get to AJ Allen before we have our Where Are They Now segment on Wednesday. Second year Canadian linebacker. Well, he was drafted three years ago, but then COVID hit. Uh, he went back to Guelph and now he is with the Rough Riders in his second year of playing. Here with the Riders linebacker AJ Allen. How's camping going, number 32? It's going great, man. It's going great. Happy to be here. Um, understand the playbook really well, and uh, no, I'm just excited to be here, man. Yeah, and you made some impact last year. Special teams, a little bit on defense. Uh, just talk about uh, your role in this defense and, and starting to make some plays in camp here. So far, uh, yeah, so far so good. Um, again, on specials on all of them right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, and trying to expand my role on on, yeah. on defense and just you know whenever I get the opportunity, make a play. That's I think that's got the inside track and maybe making this team again because Coach did mention that we have to see these linebackers in behind our starters and what they can do on special teams. And we know you've you've blocked kicks, you've done some things in this league yes sir um yeah i think that's a huge part of especially being a canadian um you gotta be on special teams you got to um 
but yeah, I, I think it expands in, in trying to be, you know, those yeah. next guys, right? You're playing behind Micah Tyson, Larry Dean. You got to try to make a play yeah. you know, whenever you get a chance. Yeah, to. No kidding. What have you learned from those two guys and, and Amon Creef? Oh, so much, man. Learning how to prepare. Um, one of the ins and outs, the details, just the small things that make you from a good linebacker or just a special teams linebacker to a, to a starting Canadian linebacker to a to a to a Hall of Famer like yeah. I think Larry's going to be. Yeah. Um, so I've learned how to pay attention to the details and how to prepare. Yeah. What have you identified in your game that you need to do to take it to the next level yourself? Um, my eyes. I need to see a lot more. The same way again, Larry sees a lot more, right? Um, whether that be where alignment's looking or alignment and uh, how deep a receiver is, and quarterbacks looking, the ins and outs of the defense, um, where my teammates are. I need to get better at my eyes and able to understand more. The more you understand, the better, the easier it is, right? So that's that's the that's the one I'm working on right now. Is it slowing down for you though? It is slowing down for me. Yes, yeah, slowly but surely, but it is slowing down. Yes, sir. Is that a is that a marriage between more reps on the field and uh, being better in the room? in terms of a film study yeah i think uh personally i'm a nerd um so I, I i in terms of like drawing it up that's great um but this is canadian football where receivers can have a waggle and, and go from 41 to 23 real quick yeah. so i think for me just seeing those things and understanding how they work um and being better prepared and knowing how my teammates are going to react to that movement and then how i need to fit in after that yeah. um that's gonna yeah, that's good. That it's the experience as well. It's actually seeing it and doing it. AJ, did you know how to watch film when you came from Guelph, or did you learn how to watch film when you come here? Because there's an art to watch it film. Somebody could say, "Hey, go watch tape," but some guys will sit there and go, "Well, what am I watching?" Mm-hmm. Uh, I learned. I, 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 I definitely am taking it to a next level yeah. with um. We're again learning from guys like Larry Dean and, and Micah Tights and in yeah. grief and in learning from Coach Melvin Shives. Yeah. But in, in 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 university, I did learn. I, I, I knew a lot as well. I had um, a defensive coordinator, Dennis McMee, Dennis McPhee, yeah. um, and he used to coach with the, with the Tide Cats. So um, I, learned, I learned a lot from him and just how to, how to prepare, how to learn tape, how to watch tape. Um, same with uh, my coach, uh, Joe Sardo. He played at University of Miami, um, and he's another guy that pays attention to the details. Uh, so I, I learned from them, but again, taking it, it takes the next level when you play with guys that have done it for multiple, multiple years, right? Where did your nerdiness come from? <laughs> I like to play video games, <laughs> and I, yeah, I like to play video games. And just again, just paying attention to details and patterns is what gets you good at those things. So, uh, yeah, that's 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 kind of what does Madden help you when you play Madden, Madden? Does help me? Anybody on this team can get it. Um, anybody in the league can get it. Uh, it does help me because, like, I mean, personally for me too, um, I learned match by playing Madden, like understand how the concepts nice. work. Uh, you know what a quarter flat is. How how yeah, yeah I learned how how those things kind of play out and what what breaks them, what doesn't break them. So yeah, it, it Who's helps your a little team? bit. Who's your team in Madden? Uh in in Madden 23, I'm a Chargers fan. And actual yeah. and the, and the actual NFL, I'm a Titan fan. So tighten up. But um, in Madden, the Chargers got a great roster. That's my team. Yeah. Period. I yeah. love the Chargers, and I love their powder blues. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful jersey combination. Yeah. I'm telling you, man. Uh, See, I think the Argos took like they took they got their new unis, and they got too much powder blue. Chargers have just enough powder. Just blue. enough powder blue. They 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 put a right combination in. Yeah. So we don't we don't talk about that. We don't talk about the Argos over here. No, we talk no, about yeah. Right. We talk about the Chargers. Yeah. yeah. And uh, lot, oddly enough, though, the Argos kind of look like the Titans. They kind of look like do. they kind of kind of. Yeah, with that, with that, um, ah, the throwback jersey. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you must really love football because if you're not a starter, that that does special teams, man. That's not for the faint of heart. That's like digging ditches, man. Hundred percent. I I I do love football. Um, and again, that's just how it starts, right? That's that's how it that's how it starts for a lot of us, especially being yeah. a Canadian linebacker. So, um, 
you can still make a lot of plays on special teams, man. Yes, it, you, I, I do find pride in, in, in doing things like that, making those tackles, locking down people, um, showing effort, running, uh, being the first one down there, fire pride in that too. So, um, yeah, you, you got you got. It probably helps too that your head coach – his his base is in special teams, so he probably notices things like that more than a normal head coach would. I, I, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Um, yeah, I, I mean, even in, even in university, I was a, I was a, I was all star in terms of just special teams. So um, it's it's yeah, it's 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 a love for the game, man. Love to do it, man. Love your smile. Love the fact you like the Chargers somewhat. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thank you so. Much. This day in sports history brought to you by Capital Ford Lincoln on the corner of Rochdale and Pasqua, May 24th, 1930. Babe Ruth homers in both games of a doubleheader, giving him a total of nine for the week. They're the names we speak with reverence or scream out loud. The names that help define us, inspire us, and build the game that we all love. Each Wednesday on the Sports Cage, we flash to the past with a legend to see if there is indeed life beyond the scoreboard. This is Where Are They Now? And we're joined by Hall of Fame broadcaster Dale Isaac. Dale, first time talking to you on radio. Thanks for giving me a few minutes of your time. My pleasure, Michael. Good to talk to you. It's awesome to see you uh, watching practice, uh, the, you know, early on in camp. Uh, I know we're not going to go a deep dive on the team, but just your thoughts overall on what the Riders did in the uh, in the off season and what you're looking for this year from this team. Uh, <laughs> looking for improvement, there's no question about that. Uh, and I think uh, mm. we'll see some obvious improvement with this team. There certainly seems to be some really good energy uh, out at Griffith Stadium. Uh, but really, when you ask about training camp i'm probably the last guy that should say anything about training camp because there was a guy that i noticed oh i i can't remember if it was uh during the rookie camp or when the full camp started but i thought one of these receivers looks pretty good they keep throwing the ball his way he keeps making catches and then the next thing i know about two days later they cut him so I'm really not the guy to talk about what's going on at uh, a training camp, although so far what I've seen looks okay. Uh, yeah, I mean it's early, and you can't really. I I never I never put too much stock in a training camp. I, I never have. This is even uh, I don't want to use the word softer, but it's more relaxed than I remember seeing training camps. Do you agree with that? Like you've watched you've watched football for a long time. My the game has changed in terms of how they go at it in training camp. Uh, definitely, uh, there's uh, th- there's a lot less physical contact uh, throughout the two week training camp. It used to be just two weeks. Now it's extended, but uh, it, it's not nearly as physical as it used to be. And of course, you used to have some skirmishes, uh, a lot more than than you have now. And now, when one happens, it seems to be a big big deal. But uh, Back in the day, I mean, uh, you'd have skirmishes every day, every practice. And <laughs> a lot of the coaches used to say, well, they're getting ready for the season. It's not that way anymore. They don't, uh, they don't want the guys fighting with each other. They just, and they don't want guys fighting, period. I mean, uh, it's just not, mm-hmm. not the same game. It, uh, everybody has a, a smarter attitude towards the, the game. There's, it's physical enough without adding to it. Yeah, for sure. Dale Isaac, um, was there a favorite uh, stadium for you to call a game in back in the day? 
Oh, hmm. that's an interesting question, Michael. Uh, you know, one of the first stadiums I think that I really uh, kind of like going to and enjoying, just from a vantage point of being in the in the television broadcast booth, was Old Empire Stadium in Vancouver because the broadcast mm-hmm. for the television crew was on the roof, right at the edge of the roof, much like it was an old CNE Stadium in Toronto. And you're right over top of the action. I always used to like that because it gave you a pretty good vantage point. The the lighting at Empire Stadium wasn't the greatest. And when teams got down to either end and into the end zone for certain pass plays, you had a tough time picking out who was on the receiving end because some of the lighting in Empire Stadium back in the day was not that great. But the vantage point was one of the best. And uh, old CNE Stadium in Toronto was certainly one of the one of the better ones too, simply because it was on the edge of the roof and you were looking right down on top of the field. This is Hall of Fame broadcaster Dale Isaac. If you could go back in the broadcast booth and redo one game in your career, what, what game would pop into your mind and you'd love to be back in that moment? 1976 Western Final, Eskimos, Riders, Taylor Field, and the Riders finally beat the Eskimos in 1976 and went to the Grey Cup. And, you know, uh, it was uh, so long in coming because the three previous years, the Riders had to go to Edmonton and play that Western Final, and the Eskimos would always beat them and did consecutively. And then they turned the table because the Riders finished in first place and got the game at home. That, that to me, was probably the Rider game that sticks out in my mind. Hey, be honest with me, okay? Uh, we're short on time, but be honest with me. And I'm saying that with all due respect, because I'm an old-school football fan. I used to love watching you with uh, Al McCann and Frank Rigney, and then you'd go with uh, the Dons and Don and Leo on the other side. Uh, do you ever go back on YouTube and look at those old games? Like, I do. I, I take deep dives. How about you, Dale Isaac? No, I don't. The only time I see them, Michael, is when a friend of mine, Ray Morrison, up here in Saskatoon, sends them to me uh, or texts me uh, a clip of it. And I keep asking, where do you find this stuff? No, I, I don't go looking for it. and I don't dwell on it at all, Michael. Oh, wow. You know, because I think that's what the CFL is missing right now. I used to love, like, you guys did the first half of the Grey Cup, CBC the second half. I know that probably will never happen again. Obviously, it won't. But it would be nice if we could get another broadcaster involved into the league or some sort of streaming service like they're kind of dabbling into right now. Yeah, I totally agree with you as far as another on-air broadcast uh, situation. Uh, the streaming thing uh, is fine to a point, but uh, now you're asking people to go look for it. I don't think that's a great idea. Uh, I think mm-hmm. you want more eyes on your product uh, and more and more all the time, and I think they've got to get somebody else involved. And it's really disappointing that uh, you know a network like CTV isn't involved, uh, even though they'll do NFL or carry NFL games, but it won't touch the CFL. To me, that's just criminal, to tell you the truth. Yeah, it is criminal. Hey, Dale, this has been fun, man. I'd love to pick your brain again sometime during the season because it's always great talking to a legend. Thanks for your time. Okay, enjoy your uh, your tra- the rest of your training camp, Michael.
Yeah, no kidding. It's been a bit of a drag, but I hey, you can't complain. You're watching sports. That's been the great Dale Isaac joining us on the Western Pizza Hotline to wrap this show up in fine style. Where are they now for floor coverings international? Go check them out in the Design Hub in North Regina. They'll bring their showroom right to you so you can look at their flooring in your lighting. That will do it for our show here today. Thanks to the great Sean Kleisinger for operating back at the station. Blaine Weiland for his great work at training camp. And, of course, our friend Luke Molliner. We will be back tomorrow. We're the only Saskatchewan sports show covering this training camp from pillar to post. We got you covered. Social media on the air. You don't have to go anywhere else. We will talk to you tomorrow. Today's sports cage has come to a close. Miss a segment? Download or stream the podcast now at sportscage.ca. Get your sports straight from the source. 620 CKRM.